Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hi. Hi, 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 hi. What is going on with you over there today? I'm excited to record with you today. We haven't recorded in a while. It feels like a long time. When was the last time we recorded? It really was so long ago. Yeah. I don't remember. At least like 14 moons. At least 14 of them, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, It's been a while. So um, hi, how are you? I miss you. Um, I'm good. I ups and downs today. I... I have I have some ups weird, and downs. Like, it's ten thirty in the morning. Yeah, I've been going through some like weird, like extracurricular health stuff this week, and I say that extracurricular fun. <laughs> well, because usually I got my usuals, but I, something happened yesterday. I'm like f- kind of panicking about it. I have like some like weird breakout all over my body. Where like I have a okay. Yesterday, first of all, I have a really this is so stupid. I have a really big like pimple on my on the bottom of my foot oh i know what it is what is it you got it from my baby did i yeah because i have a breakout all over my fucking skin right now what's yeah. going on you have hand foot and mouth disease <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> oh no i was like oh, is... i'm so relieved that what does that left... mean and it's is like... it Curable? It's literally a disease. Yes, it's a disease that little babies get, and most adults don't get it because they had it when they were kids. So, like, it's not usually contracted by adults. So, I Fuck. was like, "Well, the good news is, Evan Eva didn't get it." I literally like. What's? Are you sure that's what it is? I can't yes. just be like. It literally is a rash on your feet, hands and or face remember how her mouth broke out like in that weird rash okay but that's um, but i have it only on my foot but the other yeah. thing is it's all on my head yes yes it's like your face or your head your and then sometimes your torso it's like your whole body you just get weird patches of rashes um <laughs> so anyway sorry when you said foot i was like oh i know exactly what that is so like what does that mean do i have to go get like an ointment or something nope it'll go away in like three days it fucking sucks. Well, it sucks. The doctor said that um, babies handle it really well, but grownups whine a lot when they get it. <laughs> well, they're right, Christine. <laughs> so because sorry. 
Are you sh- are you sure I it can't just be? Like- I promise you because. But I wasn't even. I didn't even like really like touch Leona when I was around. You her. were like we were. It's extremely contagious. Like extremely. Like For we don't know where sake. she got it. Um. And so the fact that you were just in my house near her and you've never had it before, because like I'm with her all the time, but I don't didn't get it because I'm immune to it. Because my head, it. my head. Do you see yeah, this? That's like, the one. I'm like. <laughs> Are you kidding so me? This, sorry. This I was is like, because well, of your baby? I like yeah. I lit- I like I literally have in my like on the top of my head, I woke up and I was like, did I scratch myself in my oh, sleep? Because no. I have literally at least this is so disgusting. And I've been like embarrassed. I like almost thought about like posting something on social media, being like, if there's a dermatologist out there, can you tell me what's going on? Yeah, I can because promise. I I have like 20, this is so gross. And there's nothing I can do about it. I have 20 open wounds on my head right now that yeah, keep they, like, like our little open over. sores. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, Christine. Well, well Leona's went away today and it started when oh, you were good. here. So, but yesterday it went like it started to really go away. So, whatever, <sighs> however many days that is, three, three ish. Is it also um, in your ears? I have one on my ear. It's just all over. I had one on my eyebrow yesterday. Hang be on. Be careful because apparently th- you get it on your butt too. <laughs> It's not on my butt. Hang on. Look, look at my eyebrow. Do you? Oh, no. I see it. It's all fucked. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm telling you, my toddler has 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 had it for days. So I know exactly <sighs> what it looks like. Um, Did you? Yeah. Uh, It's apparently just a virus and it'll go away. And now you won't get it again. So that's good. <laughs> Great. Is there it anything? It literally I... says like it's for children five years and younger. <laughs> I literally, it's all over my body. I keep like, I'm like, why do I have all these zits? I, I have them in so my eyebrows. Sorry. It's my, like both when I created your extracurricular health issues. Yeah. My eyebrows, it's so gross. They feel like crusted over. Well, it's, um, apparently they also, the common one that also happened to Leona is that sometimes you get sores inside your mouth. Um, so. I literally have a sore throat right now. Oh yeah. That's part of it. Could it, <laughs> could it be in my that's throat? It. Yeah. They go in your throat. So sorry. I don't know what to do. I, I literally was gonna say, okay, before you even mention this, I was going to start with I have a pimple on my foot that makes no fucking sense and it hurts like ass right now. Yeah. And I because it's deep. Like I can't even like Yeah, they're like get they're it. like sores, yeah. And then I've had like since we came back, like a day after we came back, I've had like this persistent sore throat where usually I'm like clockwork with my illnesses where I have yep. a sore throat for a day. But this is it hasn't gone away and it's been like three days. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh <laughs> I mean, you're literally describing it. Um, it says even if you touch toys or doorknobs in a household with it, like it's extremely contagious. But it's like, oh, adults don't really get it off because they are all had it as kids. Well, apparently I didn't. So um, and many, many adults apparently don't show symptoms at all, but some do. So um congratulations so it, how okay well first of all i am glad that i have an answer because i was nervous i was like am i about to, am i like having a flesh-eating disease right now sort and of, then yeah okay but no super <laughs> um but i was like so does it is this the peak is this how yes, bad it gets this is a this is it this is it the rash uh you get a sore throat some people get a fever but some people don't i don't i don't know if adults do or not i know kids sometimes do um and Ugh. it just says take tylenol and it'll go away very soon do you remember chicken pox parties ew what when like no, you were a no. kid like everyone would I got just the put vaccine their... <laughs> oh there was also chicken pox parties where like everyone if someone if you found out someone had chicken pox all the kids would just kind of go there just no! like get it over with at one time that's insane yeah. 
I got vaccinated, but I know kids who all just went to chicken pox parties. And so I was like, oh, man, like. I, well, the vaccine anyway. came out like in the 90s while we were kids. So I don't know. Yeah, I got it. But it, I was it was very early days of the chicken pox vaccine. I realized um, I realized that chicken pox isn't like the craze it was when we were kids because there's a vaccine now. Yeah. But we grew up like it came we out the in last... the 90s. So we were literally like the last couple. Yeah. Oh, my years gosh. Of it. Well, um, anyway, I have your baby's disease, but I'm glad I'm that I have an answer. Sorry, because but I promise it's like very like low. Like, I mean, it doesn't feel low key, I'm sure, but it's not like it, it'll go away very soon. Like probably tomorrow. <laughs> when did the okay. sores appear? Yesterday. Yesterday yeah, morning. So, okay. So yeah, tomorrow they should start to go away. <laughs> oh my God. It's I'm so sorry. annoying. But I just, apparently like... it usually. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm, there's like a really big lag. I hope it's not my internet. Well, we were having some technical difficulties. Um, oops. Where did we leave <laughs> off? Your baby gave me a disease, and okay, what, what now? Okay, so as uh, this was all happening, Eva texted me and said, "Oh no, I have it too," and. I hopped on <laughs> with her when you went to reset your internet and she was like, well, I had this weird, like, but it was the day of our second show, or maybe it was the day you guys left. Remember? Cause she said, I think I slept funny last night. I woke up with mm. all these like spots on my face. Um, and, and just, but see now my theory, which Eva does not approve of is that she got it from my baby on Friday and then gave it to you when you guys went out to that bar the other day. <laughs> Because the timeline makes more sense. But either way, I started the chain. So. Eva. No, it was me. So fired. I diseased both of you. I, I feel no, so I, bad. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Eva. Or it I was, mean, it, it could have been. I mean, we probably spent. my house. <laughs> I, I think it, you were definitely um, patient zero. I think. Uh, I don't know if it were Eva. It. I spent. 99% of my time with Eva on that trip though so it could have been but I it wasn't at the bar that we just went to I've had this I know, sore yeah, throat for like days and it's yeah, killing it me. Yeah it would have been earlier than that for sure but yeah I feel so bad because Eva even came over and said oh I must have slept funny I have this weird rash on my face and I was like that's strange. Yeah but um, I, I, I like wow I wish it would go away as fast as hers because I find her truly like just so gross well, hers and open. started like sat like Saturday or something like whatever day that was mm, right either way it's not too fun right now and you know i'll remember this one day for when your baby needs a favor from me aha like, oh. yes yes yeah. that will happen i'm sure um so anyway i apologize um i really was like oh well if they're sick like i'm sure i'll hear about it because i because like you guys <laughs> well you knew leona was sick so i was like oh well it makes sense that you would be like hey what was leona's illness when she had a giant rash on her face and also had a fever i just i mean (laughs) i mean i remember her having a rash i never thought she was like sick sick i know you said she was sick but i never like saw any signs of it other than having a rash and i don't know enough about babies i mean she had remember 102 degree fever that night which is why i was crying at the venue (laughs) yes Um, you're right yeah, but I, I I don't expect you to, you know, keep track of my daughter's health. But anyway, I just was like, oh, well, they knew she was sick. So if they have some weird disease, they'll probably call me. Um, but it's I'm fun. glad I got to find out now on the <laughs> glad, show. <laughs> I'm glad I found out on the show what it was because I really was about to, like, go to urgent care or something. And that would have been so much more embarrassing. Um, 
Oh uh, yeah, because they would you would have been like, oh, it's I'm in so much pain. They would have been like, this is a baby disease, a toddler, <laughs> a toddler rash. <laughs> you know, if it if the pain is the same as what Leona was feeling, I get why she'd cry. Oh, she was freaking miserable. I mean, she yeah. was, but she's also a baby, so I was like, well, I'm sure any um, discomfort is gonna. Like yeah. I even have them like um, on my on my hand and stuff. Like, yeah, that's why it's called hand, foot, and mouth. Hand, foot, and mouth. I'm gonna Google it later. Yeah, I you had, should. Had no idea it even was a thing. Well, yeah. Anyway, that's why I drink. Are you doing <laughs> good? Are you healthy? Is- that's perf. That's why I drink. I don't even have a single <laughs> pimple on me. Uh, so you know. Uh, well, I really am just thankful. I know what it is. That's so much better because at least I can prepare f- for the rest of it. Um, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how I to like get away from out, us i feel like any parent out there is like knew what it was before you even like finished the all i said was pimple on my foot and yeah every, but i well. mean i don't know yeah i guess yeah i guess the moment the pieces clicked it was like oh yeah that matches up exactly i don't know i'm just sorry about it uh i feel it's really fine. bad and you i hope know. you feel better and i hope you don't have a fever i don't know if i have a fever it's just so weird that like i'm not getting like 90% of it is on my is in my hair. It's just so gross cuz there's like open sores in my hair. So like it's really like I want to wash my hair but then the shampoo burns, you know, like it's uh. But so then if I but then if I don't wash my hair, I'm like my head's just like full of like pus. It's so gross. It's so fucking Okay, gross. well, I just googled it and so apparently this is like definitely a thing. Um getting it on your scalp and I'm sorry. That's okay. It's not your fault. I mean, well, it is your fault, but you didn't know. I didn't uh, know. I would. I would not have let you come near my home if I knew. Um, it's okay. I. It's not. It's really not that big of a deal. I just. It's just every. I just it keeps showing up. It's like on my hands, bully. Okay. Well, I don't know where to go from here or how to get out of this. So <laughs> this is you just do a, a topic change. I mean, you know, my, my new counselor, my new therapist, told me to go to my. He basically had me create a happy place. So when I'm like spiraling, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. So maybe that's where I'll go for the time being. Um, okay, I'll have to find a happy place too while I'm at it. Cause... Yeah, you know, don't find it, create it. You know, oh. that's, that's what I learned. Sure, sure. I have an iced coffee in my happy place. Do you? Mm-hmm. I have, um, you know what, today I think I've got myself like a cup of strawberry milk. Oh, I love strawberry milk. <laughs> it's pretty good. I might do a little swapsie sometimes. Like maybe I'll be like, today's a strawberry milk kind of day. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. You know what I can't fucking stand? Banana milk. I was about to say, I'm the only freak in the world who likes that. You're really I just know. ill. I you won't even... drink normal milk, but you'll have banana milk? Absolutely. Are you okay? No, obviously not. That's unreal. I have to You're... go to my happy place several times a day to drink strawberry milk. I'm obviously not okay. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, that's a good point. Oh, right. boy. <laughs> okay, well, we, we we brought it back. We brought it back, Christine. All right. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> Do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. 
Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, well, I have a, uh, what I think is a really good story i don't know what anyone else will think but i'm excited about it because uh this stemmed from our last conversation which i think it was during our after chat or maybe it was the actual episode but it's been a while now and we were talking about um it, it came up kind of organically about if you live in a certain state if uh they have to disclose if it's haunted or not oh yeah and blaze was like there's no way that's true so i still am unsure about california because the the frame of reference I was going with last time where I was really convinced of it is that I, we, nothing ever ended up happening, but we sporadically, Allison and I saw a house we liked and started asking questions. Of course, one of the questions was, is it haunted? And then nothing came of the house and we're still in our roach infested apartment. So relax everybody. But, uh, the, the guy, the, the realtor was saying, Oh, as of a few weeks ago, if you ask i have to tell you but like okay but i have so many problems with this because it doesn't make any sense because legally how could you ever uphold that a because like so you just say there's no such thing as ghosts so it's not haunted the end and okay, like well B, you're about to get a whole episode about it okay 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 because blaze literally went on to this like long rant and i was like blaze i don't know what to tell you i agree with you but m kept saying i know just trust me so i trusted m okay and blaze was like well, and so now I'm glad finally that this isn't my fucking problem anymore. Well, so I and I looked everywhere for uh California specifically because that was what I was working sure. with. And I still can't find where he got that rule from, but I feel like if I, you're a realtor saying said, that, but he might have said that just to be like, I don't know, my stepmom's a realtor. She says all sorts of weird shit. I I don't know. I guess I so, feel but... like if you're trying to sell a house, you could be like, "Oh, I have to disclose this information." I don't know. Well, so today we're going to talk about stigmatized property laws <gasps> and it Wait, will lead. Sorry, I just realized this is like so pertinent to my story today, too. Oh, whoa. About that to happen? A, ooh, crossroads, crossroads. And uh, so stigmatized property laws, which will lead us into. Wait a minute. What's dare I ask if your topic is my topic? I did stamp. Not. Okay. 
a Supreme Court ruling called Stambovsky versus Ackley. No, never heard of it. AKA the Ghostbuster ruling. Oh, <gasps> okay. Blaze, okay. you better listen. Cause I'm not going to talk about this anymore with you. This is now M's going to explain it. And then you have a problem with it. You call M, not me. No, then don't call me. I don't want to deal with it. Call either. M. Um, M really wants to hear from you and has been missing you deeply during yeah, your especially rash your... infested. <laughs> I was going to say, I, Blaze, I really miss your daughter and all of the bumps and lumps all of on the her. Open oh, sores that, yeah, sorry. <laughs> to be fair, they said the, the guy said that the rash isn't what's contagious. It's just like a normal, like cold or co- like, you know, co- sneezing, coughing. How it makes sense. I've been sneezing like a monster, but I was like, I don't have COVID. And I was like, I, but I was like, I have a sore throat and I'm sneezing, but this is not my average cold. And I really do. I am a clockwork kind of person with my colds. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? It yeah. makes total sense now. Oopsie. You met my child. <laughs> we. <laughs> we all knew she would be demonic. So I don't know what I, I'm you shocked You called by. it before I did. So. I know. So, uh, okay, before we get into it, I want to give you a few little fun survey polls. Um, in 2017, Realtor.com surveyed 1,000 people. And do you want to guess what percentage of 1,000 people said that they were open to living in a haunted house? 60. You're not far off. So 33 said definitely yes, and 25% said maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 42% said no. So where do you stand? What's the I question? Mean, Would you be open to it? Is that what the question open is? Open to living in a haunted house. I guess maybe is the safest answer because it's like, yeah, how haunted give are we me more on? details. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a maybe for me also. Me too. I, I would, ha- I would have to know what the worst was. Yeah. Like, know? I don't want to live in like a axe murder, like a family annihilator's house or something horrific, but it's like, oh, but if there's like a ghost of a kitty cat running around, like, fine, yeah. you know, I don't know. So 92% of people who said yes, so 92% of 33%, I guess, um, 92% of those people said that they would want a perk for staying in a haunted house. <laughs> Me so, too. Like a ghost so, cat. I mean, it's built in. <laughs> well, they were saying that they either wanted it to be in a really good neighborhood, they wanted extra square footage, oh. or they wanted the price to go down in order for them to say yes. They're like, build an addition onto this house and then we'll talk. Like, seriously? Exactly. Okay. It's a weird... Okay. Of all the people who said yes, only 20% of them said they would be okay. This might go more to your question of like, well, how haunted are we talking? Sure. Of all the people who said yes, only 20% said they'd be okay with like harder evidence such as being touched and objects moving. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Getting touched in your home. Like, I'm surprised so many people said yes to that, honestly. I would not. I don't think I would either. I like things moving fine, but like touching me? No, no. Then they asked, would you live somewhere where someone died? Um, I'm sure we all have, and we just don't know it. I think I would still be, because again, I'm like, how bad was the death? Like, was it violent? Oh, sure. 47% said yes, 27% said maybe, and 26% said no. The 26%, they they think, I mean, like the, I feel like. 100 years ago like everyone died in their house you know what i mean like yeah. so if you have a house that's older than a certain amount of time it's like well probably people died there so I'll, i would like to read see these... your house yeah yeah well yeah yeah exactly i don't know but and then the last survey i'll talk about is a year later in 2018 realtor.com did another survey that said 34 percent of those selling to a buyer selling their house to a buyer would disclose on their own that there are ghosts 34 percent 
Hmm. Without being mandated to. Interesting. And then 27 other percent said that they would only disclose that to a buyer if they were told if they were asked, asked by the buyer where would you stand i think if i think i would gauge my own relationship with the ghost before i just like, start telling people yeah because be it's like, like some people don't want like don't care don't believe it don't want to know it i don't think i would just like blurt it out at everybody I don't yeah know. i think i maybe i would it depends on if how well i knew them already but if it were a stranger and they asked i would say something yeah but, me too but I don't know if I would start with that because I don't know where they stand. You know why I would tell them? Because then if they moved in and they called me in a year and they were like, something strange is happening. I'd be like, now we can combine forces uh-huh. and tell our story, you know? Yep. Well, that makes sense. Because, I mean, that even happened to you twice now where you had those neighbors at your house that told oh, you it yeah. was haunted. And then you had that guy on the street say it was haunted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good point, Em. Well, so... A haunted place is also known as a stigmatized property. Whoa. So as for, and that's just one type of stigmatized property. So the National Association of Realtors, or the NAR, or the NAR, as I call them, <laughs> um, the property is stigmatized if it, quote, is psychologically impacted by an event which occurred or was suspected to have occurred on the property and such event being one that has no physical impact of any kind. So Mm. basically that means there's no physical evidence of this, but you have stigmatized this in your mind because of something that may or may not happen. So mentally people have a predisposition about it in some Mm -hmm. way or another. Okay. So this includes houses that are haunted. Mm. It also includes, and this is just um, like, this is not a perfect list. This is just some of them. Mm Mm-hmm. This is houses that are haunted can be stigmatized properties, um, houses or buildings that have had deaths on site, uh, a building that a famous person lived in, mm. um, or if it was a movie, lo- if it was a movie location, mm-hmm. because it's still, you know, you still have to deal with the the traffic of fans right. coming. Or let's say if it was a famous person that lived there and they had a stalker, they could oh, now God. be a- approaching your house. Oh, so I didn't it's, think of that. Um, um, if a sex offender lived there. Sure. Or if a sex offender lives nearby, mm-hmm. if the house was the site of a cult or a notable crime, oh, if the house was a former drug lab, or mm. if the property had any major environmental issues, so uh, like a house that is near Flint with water contamination oh, issues. Oh, sure. Oh, my God. Wow. That's a lot of options. Yeah. Also, if the house was ever abandoned and had regular illegal activity at one point that people might now Ooh. be afraid is going to persist. Sure. Makes sense. So those were just a handful of them. And some things are, some of these stigmas, it, it's state by state, but some of these stigmas are demanded to be disclosed. And it's usually the ones that have any material fact to them. Okay. Um, so if your house had, you know, was abandoned for a little bit and there was like illegal activity going on inside the house and now you're wondering if that's going to continue. Right, or, okay. Um, uh what's another one if you're uh hmm. if there was a murder maybe if there was a murder well they don't not everything has to disclose if it's a murder it's more if the material facts can physically impact your home or physically impact you so let's say that it used to be a former meth lab right um the toxins could still be in the environment and that could hurt you Uh, or didn't they say that it doesn't have any impact on the actual home or something 
like just uh, psychologically just like yeah but if uh there are some material facts you have to disclose but a lot of psychological ones you don't have to but then there's mm-hmm. also gray spaces so sure. a new addition to the list of stigmas is if a prior occupant had covid oh <gasps> no way as of last year, the NAR put out a reminder to people that you do not have to disclose if someone uh, had COVID. I don't know if that means if someone died from COVID, but they, they don't have to say that someone had COVID in the house. Oh, um, because oh I thought you said they do. Oh, they're just it's just on the list of stigmas. It's on the, it's on the list of stigmas. And the NAR put out an official statement that you do not have to disclose if anyone had COVID here. Um, they so also did the same. Not, wait, sorry. So it's so it's not required as like it's not required oh okay but so okay gotcha sorry no 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 because someone else might be confused um okay so sorry just so just to clarify like what's this is just what defines a stigmatize so why would they add that to the list if it then doesn't actually impact selling a house because it would be a stigma if people knew about oh, if you'll found out okay if people but you're found n- out People might be freaked out that there was covid in the okay, house okay i see i see i see okay but you're but then they said like across the board across the country or whatever you don't have to disclose if someone had COVID here okay they also said they also said that which i thought was i hope i'm reading it right but at least three different sources told me that in the 1980s they did the same thing with aids which i thought was really i'm not proactive at all i still think it was proactive because i feel like homophobes could have not wanted to buy a house that someone had aids in or something well if they're putting it as a stigma isn't that not progressive or I would think they knew that it would be stigmatized by homophobes. And so they made a rule saying you, we don't have to disclose that. So that to... you can let the homophobes buy the property. I, I guess so. Yeah. Well, I don't know. About I don't that. know. I think it's more just like, we'll sell more houses this way. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's pretty good point. Like... But so rules like disease have, you know, since at least the eighties have stuck around as like, this could that's be stigmatized. Really interesting. Yeah. But then state, but I don't know if it's, um, if disease themselves is like a federal across the mm. the board, like everyone does not have to disclose that. Um, because most, the thing that I think maybe you're getting confused by and the thing that I'm stumbling through and trying to keep up is that this is a very extensive list of like different things that would be stigmatized by certain people, but state by state certain stigmas are the only ones that have to be mentioned okay so this isn't like a list of things that you have to tell somebody if they're buying a house it's like a list a general list of what might stigmatize a house and then each state decides differently what yes which ones okay i got you got you sorry the mo- i feel like i should have figured that out no no no. i should have said it earlier um i feel like for the most part a lot of stigmatized properties all get clumped together and then it's like oh well you don't have to disclose that but some of them have have specific things so okay uh there are a few caveats and uh one thing i will say that across the board does have to be disclosed is if anything uh physical is going on in your house if there's a physical condition like a leaky roof Mm, or black molds or um again if it was uh i think if it was a drug lab and there are, could be toxins still in the house. Ectoplasm. I think, like ectoplasm. You, know, you never know. <laughs> if there was ectoplasm or if your walls were bleeding, they should, I don't know if that falls into <laughs> stigma or they have to disclose it, but you know, and would, they'd be like, <laughs> would be like, it's, it's ectoplasm. And they'd be like, that's black mold. And you'd be like, it's ectoplasm. <laughs> <laughs> so the former meth lab one, I think that's, I think that's interesting. Cause I saw from one source that, 
um, across the board, they have to talk about that because the toxins could affect your house. But then there was another, I think maybe like this is a rule that came in later or something, Mm. because a different source I saw was that it's up to you to call local law enforcement to see if any like hard drugs were ever seized from the property. So I don't know the difference. I feel like that one's a health issue. Like that one should be disclosed. I think it's important, especially if you have kids or pets where it's like, well, be a little Mm -hmm. cautious. I don't know. Well, so for non-material stigmas like ghosts or, you know, a famed location Mm. or, you know, insert all the other things I said, about half the states operate under uh, caveat emptor, which is buyer beware. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're on your own. We don't have That's to discuss that shit. That's fucking rude, by the way. But okay. <laughs> um, the other half clearly, of the states, I live in one of those states. Apparently, because you know, I, for us, I looked up Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Couldn't find a goddamn thing. What? So they, I, I think they don't really have it written. Oh, into they're their just like we just laws. don't even acknowledge it. <laughs> yeah, a shocking, a, a shocking amount of states in their real estate disclosure laws just don't kind of mention it at all, which, which is keeps telling. it vague. Keeps it vague. <laughs> but it, yeah. it also says so much. It's like, <laughs> well, <laughs> so, uh, own. half of them go with buyer beware. Um, but the other half of the States make sellers disclose at least some stigmas. Mm. Um, when it comes to disclosing the paranormal, there are only four States where the paranormal is directly addressed in their real estate. Holy shit. Blaze. Blaze. Seriously, Blaze. Stop yelling at me about it. I'm just trying to have a cup of coffee in the morning. Do you want to guess what the four are? I would love to. I would love to. California is shockingly not one, which I really thought was going to happen after my... Maybe he said, like, oh, as of a couple weeks ago, maybe it hasn't updated it mm. yet. You know? Yeah, and maybe this information be... is, this information, by the way, is from a 2019 analysis. Oh, so maybe it's, com- maybe we're adding California to the list. It sounds yeah. like it based on that guy that I yelled at earlier, and I'm sorry, guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I take it back. Um, Louisiana. <laughs> you know, that was my literal first guess, and no. No, because I thought, well, because you walk around they're New so Orleans, spooky. and there are all these signs that say, not haunted for sale and you're mm-hmm. like oh well that's weird why would you specify i guess it's just new orleans i, I feel like if you have to disclose that things aren't haunted exactly. then maybe you should also maybe be you should move to another city because you're really not in good <laughs> hands if you're in north or new orleans and looking for a non-haunted house i wonder if in louisiana they just don't even put it into the disclosure agreements because they're like we already know it's oh yeah it's like it's we've it's too far it's a moot point we can't right it's a moot point it's a moot point we can't rein it in (laughs) um what was i gonna say okay so it's not louisiana well i was pretty confident about that you're not gonna you're not gonna guess at least two of them nebraska michigan oh now i'm just saying random north dakota and uh oklahoma uh I thought you were going to guess one of them just now. Minnesota is one of them. Damn, I was going to say that, and then I thought, no, that's too, I don't know. That came too early to my brain. Okay, interesting. Minnesota, Massachusetts, which really? I, I hang in there, though. Hang on. So okay. Minnesota, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York. What? Um, <laughs> I know. I didn't see it coming either. I didn't but see it. here's the thing I really didn't see coming. Right under Louisiana, I would have guessed Massachusetts because of Salem Witch Trials and they're sure. all about being spooky and Boston is so old. And, and you know. uh, what's her name? Is that Massachusetts? Uh, Lizzie Borden? 
Mm-hmm. Lizzie Borden. Yeah. 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 Um, so I thought, oh, if Massachusetts wrote this into their real estate law, it's got to be that they're proud of the ghosts. But Massachusetts and Minnesota, they only directly address the paranormal in their real estate laws for dis- like disclosure reasons to straight up tell you that no one needs to disclose anything supernatural. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that does, I mean, but again, I like it's the opposite side of the coin for Massachusetts. It's like, yeah, all this scary shit happened. We are not trying to lean into this. Let us be a normal state. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like trying to get away from it. Wow. That's fascinating. So the other two then. So New Jersey, they uh, have it in their laws that a seller must truthfully tell a buyer if asked, Blaze. Wow. If asked. If asked. They don't have to say anything unless asked. But that means if you're in New Jersey looking for a house, you better fucking ask. You better ask and then email us because I want to know. <laughs> and then move in there and then email us. Um, wow. And same with New York. So in New York, they have a very specific clause that is the courts can reverse a home sale if the seller this is very specific they can reverse a home sale if the seller this is a quote and then i'll summarize sure if the seller quote creates and perpetuates a reputation that the house is haunted and then takes unfair advantage of a buyer's ignorance of the home's reputation i see so if the buyer has no idea that this place is notoriously publicly haunted they are able to go to court and fight to get out of the contract. Whoa. As of 2019, there are nine other states that have disclosure laws regarding death on the property. Is that because of Amityville? Sorry, I'm just like thinking about New York. I don't know. Like, you know, it makes sense if you're like, you can't just, uh, you can't just sell Amityville and not tell the person that this is Amityville. It does sound very Amityville, but the reason that that is such a specific uh, mm. law is because of the Ghostbuster ruling, which we're going to oh, get into. Oh, okay, perfect. We already know. Great. So as of 2019, nine states have disclosure laws regarding the death on a property. Mm. And uh, California, I guess, is the strictest, which I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. But um, sellers must disclose a death within three years, which is the widest gap that anyone has to disclose anything. Okay, so, I can understand that. And I think it's any type of death because a lot of these laws or disclosure laws in different states, like it can be general death. It can be suicide. It can be homicide. Wow. It can be violent oh, crimes. Suicide so, too, of course. Like that would be very stigmatizing. Yeah. Wow. So um, California, I think sellers must disclose any, any death within three years. Wow. Okay. Alaska has, to, you have to disclose a death within one year and South Dakota um i uh, according to all sites except one um south dakota says that you have to disclose only homicides on the property and then uh, i saw another source that said homicides and suicides but not general death not death from something else so um and then in connecticut delaware georgia north new hampshire New Jersey, Oklahoma, and South Carolina, you must disclose a death or stigma on the property, but only if asked. Wow. And I don't know. I feel like death or stigma, I feel like that could be vague because, like, since those four states deliberately put paranormal mm. in their in their laws, if the others didn't and just kind of have, like, 
stigma as like a vague term i wonder if you can still avoid talking about hauntings or things like that like right like which stigmas are the ones you have to answer yeah, it feels if asked. vague like you said and then arkansas colorado florida hawaii idaho indiana kansas louisiana miss michigan mississippi missouri montana nevada 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 we're nevada. gonna get in trouble no, nevada New Mexico, North Carolina, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Tennessee, Texas, and Utah all have similar statements that sellers don't need to disclose anything purely psychologically stim- uh, as a stigma. Okay. Uh, or uh, they all have similar statements that sellers don't need to disclose non-material facts or any occurrences that have had no effect on the physical structure of the okay. property. Okay. Wow. So what wow. a dance. So, what a dance. And, I mean, whew. And some feel like disclosure laws are way too lax. Example, in New Jersey, the Watcher House in 2014. Great fucking point. Where the people who moved in wanted to sue the previous owners who were also getting creepy letters, but then ended up losing the case because of the lack of laws protecting oh. new buyers from stigmatized properties. My God. Um, what happens if you uh, do have a house that's stigmatized who do you call and what happens like why the ghostbusters well <laughs> who do there's you call? two people i don't know there's there's two people i want to mention there's a guy randall bell who's also apparently known as dr disaster which is what <laughs> i would probably want to call you now of course you call dr disaster if this happens to you obviously well he's called dr disaster because he is a top expert on property damage of stigmatized buildings <gasps> and so he says that if a murder, this is just an example of his, but he said if a murder takes place in a house, it can cause up to 25% loss in house value. Wow. Um, and this is a quote from him. I know of a property in Jersey where a family bought a house where they had where there had been a murder, which didn't bother them, but they neglected to think about its reputation. It wrecked birthday parties, barbecues, all <gasps> the things people do to make friends. So socially, you're outcasting yourself by oh, being in a stigmatized property. That. Or if you try to resell, you're like, you didn't care, but everyone else yeah. probably does. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. So I think that's also why a lot of people in that survey from 2017, they were like, I would be in a house like that, but I want something out of it to make a my perk? time worthwhile. Okay, that, oh, listen, I, I take it back. I laughed at that, but now I kind of get it. Yeah, or, or like even that quote alone reminded me that like, oh, it's not just your opinion on the stigmatized building. It's like your own friends won't come over. Your neighbors, like it's going to be you're the one who lives in that house. Which is, I mean, there's always that, you know, we've talked a million times about like if a serial killer wore a shirt and then it ended up at Goodwill, mm -hmm. would you wear the shirt? You know, like would you buy the shirt if you didn't know or if you knew that it was right. his? And it's like it's just a fucking shirt, but there really is something yes absolutely. weird and sinister i don't know if i would go to someone's house if i knew like a, a violent crime happened i mean there. i like, think i would go there but i don't think i would buy it i'd be freaked out a little bit i would be i th I, I think i it would change my my i think i'd get over it but the first time i was there i'd be like oh my god like it happened in this spot you know yeah yeah i don't think i would like judge the people who bought it cause no be like because i'm like who cares but I would, it would just be really weird. surreal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other person I wanted to mention was a broker named Cindy Hagley, who I fucking love this. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> she's a real estate broker who's also the president of Past Life Homes, Come which on. is, quote, a consulting business that helps haunted homeowners sell their homes. No. Cindy. Cindy's doing the work. 
doing the fucking work, stepping stepping it up. Here's a here's a quote from Cindy. If it affects the material value of the home, it must be disclosed. That's her personal um, view on things. If the buyer asks what happened, I believe you should tell them everything you know, because if the real estate agent doesn't, the neighbors certainly will. Oh, right. So sure. She's like, beat them, beat them to the punch. Yeah. And then this is a quote from the same article that said when her team, uh, quote, sells a home that was the site of a high profile murder. They'll redecorate and shift the focus to other rooms because, quote from Cindy, when buyers walk into the home, they're not going to recognize the place from the photos they saw on the 5 p.m. news. <gasps> so, like, she, so like she handles like really notorious spaces that people are trying oh to sell and totally God. reinvents them. Oh, my God. So wild. I can't I didn't even know that's a job. I can't believe it. I, I would have never even occurred to me that like, oh, no. you have to go redecorate this dark space so it's inviting. Well, I actually, it did occur to me, but only today. And we'll get <laughs> to it when my story comes up because I literally thought about this before our Zoom today. This is freaking oh my me God. out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so some haunted houses um, can actually make money off of disclosing their history. Read Lizzie Borden house, sure. like you mentioned, or any house in New Orleans. Right. <laughs> but um, not all properties will sell that way. So how do you know, what do you do if your house is a stigmatized property? Or how do you even find out if that's the case? Because in some states, they're not going to tell you. Um, right. So there are websites where you can get records of the house. There's a website called Died in House. Yes, um, which I have shouted out several times, people. Mm -hmm. um, but but I put mine in and it was like, nope. But then it was like, oh, we don't have a record of this property. And I was like, I just paid $10 for this. Yeah, it's, it, they will take your money before telling you whether or not your location or your address is yeah, even in their I, files. I feel like I shouted it out and then I tried it and was like, wait, this isn't that. I don't know. Maybe you're, you'll have better luck, folks. But... Uh, you can also ask your real estate agent because across the board, they, I get this is where Blaze's opinion comes in real hot and it's a valid, it's a valid opinion is that um, the, the rule is that real estate agents are obligated to tell you the truth to the best of their knowledge. But like you said, they could just not say something and just be like, I don't know. I mean, I don't totally know the inner or workings. Or the seller could like not tell the realtor that this place right. is really haunted. It's like why would the seller realtor know that you know right well yeah so the i think their their duty is often to tell the truth to the best of their knowledge mm -hmm, so maybe they mm -hmm. don't know but you know it, that's another great example it's like you could ask your real estate agent but maybe they don't know so that's right, not helpful right um you can also go to long-term neighbors in the neighborhood you're looking to buy a house in to see if they have any stories Ooh. that the real estate agent won't tell you which i love that that's an option of like go I, get the 411 like i don't like that because as somebody with a house for sale down the street i don't want strangers ringing my doorbell and being like what's <laughs> up with that house down there it's like get away from me i don't know well i, I don't I, love that but like you know if you're that type of person folks go for it but i'm not ringing anyone's doorbells i think it depends on the house that was up for sale i feel like in my old neighborhood as someone came up to our house and was like what's going on with that family? <laughs> okay like, that's oh, fair. let me tell you um <laughs> But so uh, another thing is maybe get a cleansing if it still feels haunted and a cleansing I suggest from some sort of spiritual person who has some mm -hmm. solid references. Um, but like I said earlier, New York sellers must disclose their house, uh, must disclose that their house is haunted, but only if they've previously shared that info publicly. That's interesting. Okay. And this law came after the Ghostbuster ruling, <gasps> a.k.a. Stambovsky versus Ackley. Okay. Holy shit. 
Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required and it's less expensive than takeout. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. I found myself recently recommending Factor to so many people in my life and this food is really good. So Blaze and I actually get to pick our own meals every week and, you know, separate them in the little drawer in the fridge and, uh, uh, make sure the other keeps their hands off. I personally love the cold brew smoothies. Those are always my go-to in the morning if I'm running around dropping Leona off, don't have time to cook myself breakfast. It's a great solution. Head to factormeals.com slash drink50 and use code drink50 to get 50% off. That's code drink50 at factormeals.com slash drink50 to get 50% off. So in the 1960s, the Ackleys moved into the house. It was Helen, who's our main character. She was married to George, and they had four kids, Cynthia, I think another George, and then Kara and William. Mm. The house was at one Lavetta place, um, and I think it's actually still called, like, the Lavetta house or the Lavetta haunted house or Lavetta something. Lavetta Lane. Yeah, something like that. And it was around 5,000 square feet, an 18-room Victorian house Ooh. across the river from Sleepy Hollow. Oh. And it was built in 1890. And as soon as they moved in, the neighborhood kids were telling them that the place was haunted. <gasps> were... Oh, no. So even the plumber who was, like, fixing early repairs for them said that he would hear people walking around the house and was scared to leave them alone there. Um, the family, though, learned to love the ghosts and said over time that they felt like family. Aww. They said that they learned that there were three ghosts there. Um, two were a married couple, and the other was a new, uh, lieutenant in the Navy from the Revolutionary War. He's just the third wheel. He's like, I was here first. Just hanging out. Uh, the family and guests would often see the doors and windows fly open. They would hear voices, bangs, footsteps. They'd see objects and furniture move. People would get touched. And they would even see apparitions, including a woman in a dress and outlines of hooded figures. Ew. 
Um, one cousin came to spend the night and actually woke up to someone walking around in her room and saw the Navy lieutenant sit on her bed and read a book and the book, the pages in it had light coming out of it. <gasps> Whoa. The ghosts were also alarm clocks for the kids and would shake their beds every morning so they wouldn't miss school. <laughs> and if they tried to sleep through it, the bed would shake even harder until they finally gave in and woke up. Oh no. And then, uh, one of the girls who I guess got this haunting the most, her name was Cynthia. Cynthia. Uh, she said that she knew that the ghosts were going to try to try to wake her up and were unaware that her school was having a holiday break. So she announced the night before that week that she wanted to sleep in for the week because she had time off and her and her bed did not shake for the entire week. Oh, that was respectful of them. And then that next Monday, they yeah. came right back. <laughs> All ready to go. The family would also get gifts from the ghosts over the years, which would then sometimes vanish out of nowhere. So they, I guess they'd be like, never mind, and just take it back. Yeah, this is a temporary <laughs> gift. Yeah. Uh, so one time uh, they gifted the family a pair of tongs, which I wonder if it was That's just their tongs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's There's like someone... when a kid is like, I got you this. And it's like, well, it's already mine, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah. Um, another time they gifted rings. Sometimes it's coins. Sometimes it's other trinkets. And then they just also disappear right away. So oh, um, sometimes they would even steal your sandwiches. Well, that's which... not very okay. Because like, they, I'm sure those weren't temporary gifts. Yeah, that one. And, you know, I feel like maybe that's an excuse. Someone ate too many sandwiches and was like, oh, the ghosts kept oh, doing no. it. Oh, no. And uh, they won't, you won't be seeing them again. <laughs> Apparently, the husband, George, had like a ham sandwich he was very excited about. Aww. And then it went missing and he flipped out. He's never and, like, gotten over it. <laughs> he's never gotten over it. Uh, George also once saw a ghost wearing moccasins walk by. Okay. And then here's um, one of the stories that Helen told about their her the ghost friendship she had there she was painting one of the rooms and she said paint time was at hand and i was perched atop an eight foot step ladder when i felt watching eyes oh no the feeling was not unfamiliar but it still felt a bit unnerving i turned my head the room was empty but the eerie feeling persisted so i spoke out loud i hope you like the color hope you're pleased with what we're doing to the house it certainly must have been lovely when it was first built Aww. i looked over my shoulder again and he sat there in midair <gasps> smiling at me from in front of the cold fireplace hands clasped around his knees he was nodding and rocking he faded slowly, still smiling, and was gone. But I knew that he approved of the work our family had lavished on our mutual home. No, I wasn't drinking that day. No, the paint fumes hadn't got to me. Aww. No, I don't know why I saw him then and had never seen him since. But I do know that he seemed happy to be there and I was proud to meet him. I just got like full goose cam, full body Isn't goose cam. Like how precious. Like they're just living together. And then there's another I, story where. I love that. There's an even cuter one where she uh, looked out the window one morning uh, onto the river and she felt something originally threatening stand next to her. Um, I guess mm. it was like confused about why she was there or something, but she looked over, nothing was there. And she went back and looked out the window and said, it's beautiful on the river, isn't it? And then this is a quote from her. Then the bad feeling disappeared, but the entity stayed. We stood looking out the window for a few more minutes. Then I turned to leave. My invisible companion turned with me and walked beside me across the room. I hesitated at the door and so did the other. Thank you for sharing the view with me. I'm going to go to bed now. Good night. I walked alone down the hall to my bedroom and somehow I slept soundly all night. 
Wow. Wow. So they're just painting and looking at the view together. It's beautiful. And Helen openly talked about the ghosts in the house, even did local interviews, and had uh, the house on, this is in Nyack, New York, by the way, um, had the house on Nyack's first walking ghost tour. And she then had an article about the ghosts and her time with them published in a 1977 Reader's Digest article called Our Haunted Host, Our Haunted, Oh my God. Our Haunted. Am I okay? (laughs) It sounds like a Reader's Digest like puzzle where you're like, figure out what this anagram is. She even had an article about the ghost published in a 1977 Reader's Digest article called Our Haunted House on the Hudson. Oh my God. That sounds good, Em. You did it. You nailed it. Thank you. And so because of all of this, I mean, she's been, it's been in articles, it's been in interviews, it's on a ghost tour, it's it been in Reader's Digest, so it's now been in national press. The house became somewhat of a local haunted landmark, and the family lived there for over 20 years. Wow. But then in, but then in 1989, Helen wanted to sell her house, and I she see. tried... And she tried to sell it to Jeff and his wife, who was either Patrice or Patricia. Okay. Um, but Jeff Stambovsky. Jeff put down a $32,000 down payment, and the house sold for $650,000, which in today's world is $1.3 million. What, uh, sorry, what year was this again, you said? 89. 89. And Jeff was new to town and was unaware that the house was haunted. Okay. Okay. Some reports say that Helen and her agent made sure Jeff knew before signing that the house was haunted, but Jeff claims that that did not happen, and he Mm. only learned about it when a local in town said, oh, so you bought the haunted house. Mm. Intriguing. Which, this goes back to Cindy, our homegirl who helps people sell haunted houses. It's like, you better say something or the neighbors will. Or, yeah, or the kids at the playground will be like, guess what? Which is exactly how Helen found out the house was haunted, yeah. Right. Um, so he claims he wasn't scared of ghosts and that's not at all why he didn't want to live there. Mm -hmm. He says he was worried about the ghost's effect on resale value. Um, but from his testimony, it looks like he was scared of ghosts, but okay. What they, they said, are you scared of ghosts? And he said, terrified. So there you have it. Uh, Okay. Well, I think that answers that, but all right. And so wanting out of this, but unable to get his contract or get out of his contract, he took Helen to court. And at the time, New York went off of caveat emptor or <gasps> buyer beware. And so the court dismissed this, but Jeff appealed it. And this became a Supreme Court case of Stambovsky versus Ackley, a.k.a. the Ghostbusters rule. I cannot believe this is a real thing. So the court said that buyer beware should be set aside because since Helen had so publicly said for 20 years that it was haunted, Helen couldn't deny that info under oath. Right. Cause it was public. Oh my God. Oh, Ooh, I just got goose cam. That's so fascinating. And so the court declared that quote, this is part of like the court's opinion as a matter of law, the house is haunted. Oh, the court opinion weirdly also made weird references to any like idioms or um, pop culture relating to ghosts. So a lot of like actual, like the majority opinion mentioned like quotes from like Hamlet or Ghostbusters. It's very weird. <laughs> Hamlet or Ghostbusters. <laughs> I like how they were like, anytime there was a ghost, they tried to throw it in there. And they even like would say weird sayings. I feel like they all were like the Supreme Court was like, this has to be a joke. Let's just make fun of it. They and were so, probably like, this is the most exciting thing we've ever gotten to do. Finally. 
And so, well, I guess they used wordplay to their advantage because they said things in uh, during the appeal, such as, the plaintiff hasn't a ghost of a chance. Also, <laughs> I am moved by the spirit of equity. Another, this is a hobgoblin which should be exercised from the body of legal precedent. Oh my God, and then someone... The and then someone else said, a very practical problem arises with respect to the discovery of a paranormal phenomena. Who are you going to call? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, that's good. So the Stambovskis won three to two and ended up getting most of their down payment back, too. Um, and even though Jeff didn't want the house anymore, because this was such like a huge deal in the area, in that week of the court ruling, up to 50 potential buyers reached out to Helen. Wow. And among those interested, which we're about to do a very, very quick um, downward spiral. Uh-oh. Among those that were interested was the amazing Kreskin. What? Do you know who the, do you know who the amazing no, Kreskin is? No, I thought you were going to say fucking, uh, what's her face? I thought you were going to say the, the, the Warrens. Oh, can you imagine? Well, so I did Kres imagine, and then you said something so bizarre that I can't even think straight. So the amazing Kreskin was like a mentalist magician oh. huge in the 70s i guess not magician definitely a mentalist um yeah it's kind of giving houdini vibes and it's also mm. kind of giving zach bagans vibes because the amazing kreskin was a mentalist who intentionally wanted to find a haunted home in new york so that he could start building his collection of paranormal items okay so that i was on the right sort of career track with at least yes with, a uh, paranormal Lorraine enthusiast and, yeah so, uh, and also, well, I'll just say in the New York Times and the LA Times, they both kept people updated on whether or not Kreskin was going to get this house or not. Okay. And so the New York Times and the LA Times eventually wrote that he backed out of the sale um, when he said that he wanted to televise a seance there to prove that it was haunted before he bought the house, which is very Houdini. <gasps> um, Helen's son said you are allowed to televise a seance here for $50,000 or you can have an untelevised seance here for free. And he said, no, no, it has to be televised, but I'm not going to pay $50,000. So he wasn't willing to do it in the end. Okay. Well, I mean, this is like the perk all over again. He's like, you throw in a seance, mm -hmm. a televised yep. seance, and then I'll buy the house. Exactly. I like and it. The amazing Kreskin is still here with us, and I looked up his website, which is still active. <gasps> um, and the caption on the homepage is, Seven decades, three million miles, 25,000 shows, and over one million minds read. Oh! He had a show in the 70s that lasted almost six seasons called The Amazing World of Kreskin, and it is still on Hulu. Oh the movie, God. The movie The Great Buck Howard is based on him. This is every... I learned all of this from his website, by the way. I'm so excited. <laughs> the, the movie The Great Buck Howard is based on him. He, the Barry Houdini is willing to offer $50,000 to anyone who can prove that hypnosis is real. And oh. he's offering a million dollars to anyone who can prove that he employs paid secret assistance at his shows. So again, Houdini, who actually had like informants in the crowd, yep. but like in a different reason, but he's trying to prove like, I don't have anyone in the crowd helping me with my Fuck tricks. Yes. Um, I also found out through his website that he's 88 years old. He has a podcast called <gasps> Kreskin's Amazing Experiences. And subscribing, subscribing. On his shop for $75, you can buy a belt buckle with his face on it. 
Um, Nothing has ever mattered to me more than this information. I've never needed a belt buckle more. Um, Uh, No, me neither. Here's the best part. This is an article that I saw from Jacksonville.com. Okay. Okay. He is most famous for a trick where he will let the audience, he will have audience members escort him off the stage and take him out of the theater. Yeah. While the rest of the audience takes his literal paycheck that the venue gave him for the night at his live show. Uh Uh-huh. So the venue gives him his paycheck and says, now go out on stage. We're paying you right now. And he gets the check in advance. Okay. And he has the audience take the physical check and hide it anywhere in the theater. No. And with his mentalist abilities, uh, he is able to find it in the audience and in the theater during his show. And if he doesn't, he will do the show for free and never get reimbursed for that missing check. Has he ever done it for free? He performed it over 6,000 times and only had to perform for free 10 times. Jesus. This is a quote from the article. He said he's found his check under, and this is the audience. He tells them, like, hide it where fucking ever. Not like, you know, in. God. Not like in someone's purse, but like try to get creative. So this is a quote. He said he's found his check under the upper bridge inside a man's mouth, which like (gasps) a man in the whole audience. Remember that? Like uh, he's checking everyone's mouth. Open your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Inside a 20 foot fire hose rolled up behind a closed door at the back of the theater. No. And inside the barrel of a gun being carried by a plainclothes detective. His most famous failure, he said, occurred at a New Zealand live show where he was unable to locate a check for (gasps) $51,000. Oh, my God. Probably somebody stole it. Right. Yeah. At that point, I, like, I wonder it I, wasn't even in the theater, but 6,000 times and you only, so how many, how many of those times do you think someone did just try to steal it? And like, that's a great question. He but found I, but, it. And then the plain clothes detective was like, oh yeah, you thinking about stealing that 50,000? <laughs> oh, oh man. Anyway. So anyway, that was my downward spiral of the amazing Kreskin. Um, You've just changed back- my life. <laughs> Thank you. His podcast so, has one rating and it's five stars, but now it has two. Oh, good job, Christine. So thank you. So back to Helen. In 1993, she was contacted by paranormal researchers who said that they had, after she'd already moved out of the house, and she said that she missed her ghosts. She wished that she could have brought them with her to her new location. Uh, These paranormal researchers reached out to her and said that they were able to make contact with the spirits that she used to live with. And found out that the spirit couple, their name was Sir George and Lady Margaret, and that they were not as fond of their new owners um, and were thinking of moving on. And so apparently, they were like, we're bored. These people are no fun. I like how they tapped into two paranormal researchers and they were like, pass this on. Seriously. It's like, you might as well send a smoke signal. Jesus. Yeah. Well, two years later, those two paranormal researchers, Bill Merrill and Glenn Johnson, wrote a book about their findings of these two spirits um, and called it Sir George, the Ghost of Nyack. Um, In 2003, Helen died in Florida, and some of her kids think that she moved back to the old house to be the new resident ghost. After Uh, she died? Oh, my God. Because she loved the house so much, they think she must be the new spirit now that the others have passed on. So maybe she's like holding the, holding down the fort for them. With that guy from the Revolutionary War? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> They're just hanging out. Uh, and that being said, though, even though they think she now haunts the place, nobody who has lived there since her has had any spooky encounters. Um, and as for the people who have lived there, she ended up selling... 
I think she, I think this is, she sold it to this guy or there was someone in between, but the people who lived there after her include Adam Brooks, who lived there for 20 years. And he wrote definitely maybe he wrote a Bridget Jones film. He wrote Wimbledon and he wrote Practical Magic. This guy lived there? Lived there. He was a writer, director, actor, and he worked on all of those movies. Holy shit. Then he sold it to Ingrid Michaelson. Okay, how, what is this house? I want to see it. (laughs) This is such a weird place. And then, oh shit, I forgot to check the pronunciation on this. There's a a new musician that lived there up until 2019 called Matisayu. Matisayu? Matisayu. He's not a new musician. No, no, no. Like the the newest person to live there. Oh my God, you didn't, I... I don't know who that is. He's like a, he literally raps in Yiddish. Yeah. They said it was a Jewish rapper. And I was like, that's weird that they're mentioning that he's Jewish. No, but... it's like his whole thing. Like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, it's like his whole thing. And Modest Yahoo. And oh my God, I used to listen to him. Like I memorized multiples of his songs and please remember that it's J- Yiddish raps. Um, Yiddish raps. Yeah, but wow. I, I've I've memorized a few of them. Um, well, he he lived there after Ingrid Michaelson, who weird. lived there after wow. Adam Brooks. Um, he lived there until 2019, and then it recently sold two years ago for 1.8 million or around there. And the house nowadays has five bedrooms, five bathrooms, stained glass windows, arched doorways, a three car garage, a sunroom, a saltwater pool overlooking the river, a turret, and a wraparound porch. And well, now I'm understanding why people buy this. Why fancy uh-huh. famous people buy this house <laughs> and that is uh the ghostbuster ruling aka stumbovsky for exactly and stigmatized property laws holy shit um and it was one was it one Levada place just oh, yeah so you i want to see it, it up. um because west nyack isn't that right near new york city because mm-hmm. we did it's, a show there in, once didn't we it's over by sleep it's across the river from sleepy hollow apparently wow oh my god it's literally on zillow right now i didn't know no it's not the Zestimate is actually $2.2 million. <gasps> oh, but she's what? beautiful. Well, because I, I in 2021, it sold for 1.8. Or that's what oh, it said. Oh, boy. Here, let me send you a... Thank you. Geostrio. She's cute. Mm. La Veta. I see. I see. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <gasps> she's beautiful. I wish I had... A- to whatever million dollars i want to live here <gasps> i also want to live here look oh, at the she's... look at the exposed brick in the kitchen oh i did <gasps> <laughs> look man at the that. stairs are giving charmed the stairs for oh my god the picture from the water mm. with the sunset come on oh my god there's that saltwater pool imagine writing like the next sleepy hollow while you look over sleepy hollow from your window can you imagine this place is uh, absolutely beautiful you know that reader's digest article has to be the coffee book like the table oh my god you're so right i don't know Uh, what i'm saying the coffee table book when they do well you didn't know what you were saying when you were talking about reader's digest earlier so (laughs) must be a um but yeah 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 wow um that was such a good story thank you and i loved it I hope I cleared up some confusion. I'm still a little confused about some disclosure laws, but it's, it just it seems sounds, like it's state I'm sure by state. everyone is. It sounds like they're not very clear um, on purpose. But wow, yeah, this right? is... Oh, by the way, what the name of that woman who works on Haunted House, or who sells them, Cindy something, right? Cindy Hagley? Do you think, seriously, like, that she... Because do you know what other famous house is for sale? 
Have you seen uh, this? Oh, I is it the one in Connecticut? No, in Connecticut House. What the John Benet Ramsey House? Ooh, I'm sure she's on the case. Well, she's a she's a broker in California, so I don't know. If oh, was... okay, maybe then just there. Um, let me give her a shout out again. It was Cindy Hagley. Cindy, yeah, yeah. Did you find her. her? Yes, I did. Cindy Hagley of the Hagley Group. Damn. So, uh, no. So the the I have the link here. The uh, John Benet Ramsey House is for sale for the first time since. Boy, talk about a stigmatized property. Like that's like the definition. Yeah. Um, and so it is. Let's see. How much do you think it's going for? While I look where, for what, it, where what state is it in? It's in Colorado, and I believe Boulder area. Three. Uh, two? Let me check real quick. I think you're right. I think it's between two and three. I feel like with a with such a notorious oh, story, just kidding. To it. Seven million. Oh, <laughs> uh, bye. I, I they lived in I, like a fucking mansion. Remember they like literally. Oh had, right. Um. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's it's seventy two seven thousand two hundred forty square feet. Um, oh my god. I mean, it's just wild to read the like description because it says stately and modernized 1920s Tudor estate in an epic Boulder location. It's like, and on every true crime documentary yeah. ever, it's just hard to imagine. Um, but yeah, it's like a mansion, basically like a, I mean, I'd rather live in the Victorian house, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, man. Oh, my God. I... I kind of wonder if they're going to have to do like a screening process on people who live there because I feel like it could be a lot of people yeah. who think they're going to like try to solve a crime or something, you know? I mean, I guess do what you want in your own that's house. That's a disturbing... But that's true. That's a disturbing thought. But it's about their child, you know? So it's like, yeah. do what you want in your house, but like, it's our kid that died. I don't know. Wow. I know. Ooh. I know. Yeah, it's wild. Quick side note also, because I just uh, read the article more thoroughly about the John Bonnet Ramsey house, and I wanted to correct my mistake, which is that oh. the house was sold in 1998 by the Ramseys. That was the last time it was sold. Mm, so okay. it was sold for $650,000 in 1998 uh, by the Ramsey family, um, and that is about $1.2 million today. So then now it's up for like $7 million. Aha. Okay. Well, intriguing. Yeah, and interesting. How long has it been on the market technically? Uh, I just saw on Twitter a couple of days ago, so I think very recent. You know, um, they got offers right away too. Which... Oh, I'm sure. I think it says March third is a, is when it went up for sale. Um, okay. And it said the uh, the listing has been viewed more than this is as of that day. I think the listing has been viewed more than twenty six thousand times. Um, oh my god so i'm sure by now is it on zillow uh so it is but it's by sotheby's so the actual yeah it's on zillow here i'm gonna text it to you uh yeah so apparently they the new owners who bought it in 98 which i want to know more about them you know buying this yeah. house and being like we'll do it uh but they apparently uh had the address changed in 2001 mm. which i think is probably smart and uh, they added privacy gates to prevent, like, looky-loos. You know what's so interesting is one of the things I was reading about when I was doing disclosure laws and all that is that a lot of people with stigmatized properties, one of yeah. the, like, problems but also solutions that a lot of um, agents deal with now is that 
people try to beat them to the punch and not have to even disclose to the agent that it's haunted by right. trying to change the, the address. Oh. And so real estate agents were saying the internet is making it harder sure, for I us bet. to not have more disclosure laws uh-huh. because we, even though we in good faith will try to be okay. honest whenever we can, we almost never will know if people are going a Figuring out a way to outsmart Google. I basically. understand. Okay. Wow. Yeah. People are a step ahead, I guess. Well, especially because you can look up any property now. I mean, I'm literally sitting here looking at the JonBenet Ramsey house. You yeah. Know? So like, like, and of course, like we were saying, they're not going to have a picture of the basement, you know, in mm-hmm. the fucking uh, Zillow listing. But yeah, are you looking at it? Mm-hmm. It's very wow. like McMansion-y a little bit. I mean, it was built in 1927, so it's, it's, it's you know, relatively old, but um, it definitely... Is very chic, you know, mm-hmm. very ele- elegant, very elegant. Um, so you know, it looks it looks like a Colorado v- ski chalet, but like gigantic. A chalet, <laughs> a chalet yeah, right. Uh, wow. Okay, sorry. So anyway, I wanted to correct that, but now I want to get into my story. Oh my god, um, oh my god, I'm so excited. What is it? It is the story of the possible murder of Kathleen Peterson, aka. The staircase murder. Staircase murder? You don't know it. No. Even I were wondering if you'd know it. Okay. Why? Is it like in Fredericksburg or something? No, no. It's just very famous as far as like in the true crime community because there was this. Oh. Um, so my favorite murder, it was like their, for, I think their first episode or it was one of the ones that they like were really into. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there was a Netflix documentary that got really famous and everybody was having an opinion so anyway i'm wow, excited okay. that you hadn't heard of it because it means that we're gonna um we're gonna do the plot the the twists and turns together okay cool i'm very excited i i have no idea about this wowza okay great uh so kathleen peterson was born in 1953 in greensboro north carolina and was raised in lancaster pennsylvania um where and then it literally says where she was extremely popular oh uh, okay which um, can't relate, but I'm so happy for her. <laughs> um, she was voted Girl of the Year and Lancaster Lass in oh. the 60s. <laughs> I love when towns have a little, I do too. you know, an award to win. And like being next to Pennsylvania, I'm pretty sure Lancaster is like Amish country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that, so, yeah. So that's a very interesting dichotomy there. You have like your pageants. And your Lancaster last. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like an interesting side by side. What would what would your what would your local town's competition be? What would the name be? Oh, the Cincinnati Sinners. Nope, that can't Ooh. be it. <laughs> well, it could be a really fun competition that way. But <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll finally enter my first beauty pageant. <laughs> I feel just... like beauty pageant, the Burbank babes. I don't know. That's kind of boring. It's also creepy. It depends on if they're underage or not. Um. Oh yeah anyway i don't know (laughs) okay lancaster last lancaster last of the year love that for her um she was also president of the debate club editor of the school magazine and as a high schooler she took advanced latin classes at colleges nearby to like get ahead so she was not only popular but she's also very very smart and ambitious uh this is a very fun fact she was the first woman ever accepted into duke university's school of engineering Shut up. Is that oh, wow. kick-ass? That's the Lancaster last for you. A fucking men. Because at first I was like, oh, she's popular. But then I was like, Christine, you're not a child anymore. A. And B, uh, she's just fucking kicking ass. So I was I was like, wow, that's really impressive. Um, so she got in in 1971. 
And at Duke, she got a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering and a Master's in Mechanical Engineering. After college, she moved back to North Carolina, and she was considered a beloved community leader, philanthropist, and friend to many. Still, I guess, still last of the year or whatever uh, (laughs) in North Carolina. Um, She had a daughter named Caitlin with her first husband, Fred Atwater, but they got divorced, and she ended up marrying a man named Michael Peterson in 1997. Now, the two main characters of our story have met Michael came into the marriage with four children of his own. So he had had two sons with his first wife, Patricia, and he and Patricia had also adopted two daughters. So we'll get into that. In 1985, which was 12 years before Michael and Kathleen met in North Carolina, he was actually living in Grafenhausen, Germany. Oh. Uh, He was originally from Tennessee, uh, and he also went to Duke University, just you know, coincidentally, and he studied political science and then went to law school. And he was working for the U.S. Department of Defense. And what he was doing was researching arguments in support of U.S. military involvement in Vietnam. Yikes. And he eventually served as a Marine until he was injured in a car accident and honorably discharged in 1971. But while he was serving, he lived on a base in Germany and he met his wife, Patricia, there. They got married. They had two sons named Todd and Clayton, and they lived on a U.S. military base together okay. in Germany. Okay. And they became close with another couple on the base named the Ratliffs. Okay. So now we've got Peterson's. Michael Peterson. Yes, the Petersons and, and, the and the Ratliffs. So Elizabeth Ratliff, the the mom of the other family, uh, her husband actually ended up dying in a secret military operation, like while he was serving. And obviously because of that, she was left as a widow caring for her two daughters alone. So Michael and Patricia would step in and help with the girls whenever they could. And when Elizabeth Ratliff died from a medical incident, like a freak thing... Uh, Michael and Patricia offered to adopt the daughters. And so they basically oh, took yeah. them under their wings. It's, it's, I know it's under your wing, but since there were two of them, I said wings, but it sounded very wrong. Like a, like a, like a bird adopted it took, them? Yeah, it, took, yeah, it <laughs> sounded. Uh, yes. So they basically, you know, took them in and raised them as their own, adopted them. So ultimately, uh, Michael and Patricia Peterson their marriage dissolves they get divorced and michael moves back to the united states with his daughters and eventually the sons came to join him as well so he has his four kids they settle in durham north carolina and this is where he meets kathleen who's the first heroine of our story okay uh, that we talked about earlier and the two of them got married and then combined their blended families in 1997 so we've okay. got an almost Brady Bunch thing happening here. Except a lot scarier. Except a lot scarier. <laughs> so Michael and Kathleen were considered like a a perfect match. Uh, Kathleen, as we said, was a businesswoman, an engineer, um, a philanthropist, community leader, very popular. She was the la- Lancaster lass for crying out loud. <laughs> Michael himself was a respected veteran and a successful novelist who apparently once also ran for mayor. 
Oh my God. So they are just very like eclectic, very successful, very power um, couple. Power couple, exactly. And all the people around them thought so too. They had a friend whose name, I'm going to say Nick Galifianakis because it's spelled like <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. And I don't know if he pronounces it in a different way, but I'm just going to say their friend Nick Galifianakis remembers quote, I thought that they were an extraordinary couple, a loving couple. They had all the appearances and trappings of happiness, totally compatible with one another. So they're now living together, imagine this, with their five children in an 11,000 square foot home in Durham, North Carolina, that was so beautiful, it was actually used in 1990 as a movie set. Oh my God, for what movie? The Handmaid's Tale. Wow. Talk about a stigmatized property. Also, um, a, 11,000 square. That's, that makes the JonBenet house look like nothing. Tiny, right? I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, and so, of course, I immediately start Googling this, and we're going to get to more detail. But um, it was actually put up for sale again in 2020 uh, and sold for, let's see, $1.6 million, but the Zestimate is $2.7 million. So oh, love his estimate. I love a good estimate. Um, but yeah, so I'll show it to you later. But anyway, this house was used uh, as the 1990 as he set for the 1990 movie Handmaid's Tale based on uh, Margaret Atwood's novel. So anyway, this house is just like so picture perfect that that's what it was being used for. And they had this like blended family with this power couple. So everything, of course, as all my stories do, looks just beautiful you know just picturesque picturesque love it so it all was picturesque until december 9th 2001 when everything fell to shambles because at 2 40 a.m michael made a frantic 911 call oh god in the call michael is completely panicked and he tells the operator his wife had had some sort of accident it looked like she'd fallen down the stairs hence the staircase murder Mm. oh okay The operator told Michael to calm down and asked how many stairs. Hyperventilating, he said, what? 15 to 20? I don't know. He told operators that Kathleen wasn't conscious but was still breathing. He repeated that twice to make sure that the operator knew Kathleen was still alive and like how urgent this was. So paramedics arrive minutes later and the scene is shocking. So I already have chills. It appears that Kathleen had fallen down 15 steps and... I'm really like one of my pet peeves, which is a personal thing. It's not on the people who do this, but when people call in and have like a story, but they're like, let me give you the layout of the house first. Like mm-hmm. I immediately zone out. I think it's because I just can't follow my spatial awareness is so bad that when people are like, sure, there's a hallway with, uh, I don't know. Is that just me? Like in a, in any story, or are you talking about like when they call the police? No, no, no. Like if I'm listening to say a podcast and someone's like, oh, I'm going to, tell the story just setting the scene yeah setting a scene almost is i don't know it's like there's a long hallway and at the end there's two doors and one goes to the right one goes left and at the bottom of the right one there's a stair i'm like i can't follow this i think if it's like crucial to the narrative and like people keep it as succinct as possible i can tolerate it but i think if like if someone says like okay this is important to the story it's down the hall and to the left not the right the left like oh that sure yeah that i can with. follow that um, i can get but a whole map no i wouldn't be able to do i that. almost just feel like it's me getting a little insecure about how bad i am at 
directions because someone will be like, this is crucial to the story. There's a hallway with a, and I'm like, I am already lost. It's a one hallway and I'm lost. Okay. Don't it's a hallway with no doors or windows and a dead end and I'm lost. Well, yeah. And now I'm dead because I'm part of the story. It sounds like. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, point being, I was reading the description of the staircase and it's literally just a description and I got fucking confused and I had to look up a picture. <laughs> I know. Um, and so for anybody else out there who's directionally dysfunctional, as I put it, uh, I will give you my description of how this staircase looks. So it's a staircase is step number one. Uh, there's about 15 steps. And at the bottom of the steps, picture a wall where there's like a there's a poster of a French cat on it. Okay. So we're going down a staircase mm-hmm. and you're facing right into a wall. And then the staircase turns to the left. And there's a couple more steps down. So it's basically just like an L shape. And at the bottom, there's a wall. And then you turn left. Okay. Got it. It appears she had fallen down that first set of stairs, the the tall one, like the 15 steps. And then into that like dead end wall. Yes. Right. Exactly. Hit the wall and then seemed to slide down the rest of the steps to the floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only that, there was blood everywhere. What do you hit on the way down that causes that much blood? Well, this is a crucial question. Oh, okay. It is because it. I thought I thought you knew. (laughs) I do, but it it becomes a big part of the story. So I'm gonna hold it as a spoiler for now. Sure. So Michael and Kathleen had been up late drinking wine outside, and Michael said he thought Kathleen may have even taken a Valium, which obviously would have even impaired her further if she was drinking. So it seemed like Kathleen maybe was drunk, maybe impaired in some other way, had slipped on her way up the stairs and fallen backward all the way down, suffering fatal injuries. And like I said, there's blood everywhere. It's on the steps, on the wall. Um, Of course, when I was looking at pictures of the staircase for my own directional knowledge, there were crime scene photos and it's just horrific. Like it's just blood everywhere. Um, There was blood pooling underneath her. And what was a little strange immediately was that a lot of the blood was dry and they were like well that's strange it seems that kathleen has apparently been dead for at least an hour oh shit but remember he called and said she's still alive oh yeah okay so he calls and says she's breathing she's alive and he says it twice like hurry hurry like she's hurry hurry she she's still still alive and then they get there and they're like well the blood's like almost dried She's definitely been dead for at least an hour. So this was just like a strange, a strange anomaly right away. So, of course, police immediately suspect foul play and treat it as a crime scene. So the autopsy report is just even more horrific than they imagined. Kathleen had multiple bruises of her arms, wrists, hands and back. She had cuts on her on her head, on her face. Um, Jeez. Later, the prosecution would cite her arm and hand injuries as self-defense wounds. Um, And strangely, which we will get back to, she had some of her own hair clasped in her hands, like ripped out of her hair. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. It's like grotesque. I mean, it's horrific. Oh, my God. So there was also a fracture associated with her thyroid cartilage. So in her throat, uh, which was also considered by the prosecution as a possible strangulation injury. And then there were seven deep, complex lacerations on her scalp. So 
In conclusion, the coroner said, in my opinion, the cause of death in this case was due to severe concussive injury of the brain caused by multiple blunt force impacts to the head. Blood loss from the deep scalp lacerations may have also played a role in her death. The number, severity, locations, and orientation of these injuries are inconsistent with a fall down the stairs. Instead, they are indicative of multiple impacts received as a result of a beating. Oh, shit. Well, you also said there was, like, things all over her wrist, like... Yeah, she had cuts and marks, and they said this... They, The prosecution said that was self-defense wounds. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, that is what, uh, what came about as a result of the coroner's report. And, as you can imagine, this was damning evidence, because if he calls and says she fell on the stairs, and then the coroner's like, no, she was beaten to death, um, you know... Obviously, who are you looking at? Uh, Michael. Also, if bleeding out did play a role in her death, then why did he call so late after she had fallen? And also, why is he telling the operator that she's alive when Mm -hmm. she clearly wasn't? So pretty immediately, Michael is indicted for Kathleen's murder. And this is December 20th. So he made a Also, like, Uh this is a a side note, but you said it was 2001, right? Yes. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I'm just gonna remember it for later in case. Oh, oh, say something. oh! You said side note, and I was like, "Is there a?" I did have a side note, but I don't know if it's important yet, so I'm gonna hold. Oh, off. intriguing. Okay, so December 20th, Michael was indicted for Kathleen's murder, uh, and he made the following public statement: "Kathleen was my life. I've whispered her name in my heart a thousand times. She is there, and I can't stop crying. I would never have done anything to hurt her." Hmm. So Michael made his bail and awaited trial in his home. Um, at first, all five of their children stood by Michael's side. But after reviewing the evidence, Kathleen, the woman who had died, her daughter, her biological daughter, joined the prosecution side and felt that Michael was guilty for her mother's death. Okay. Does that, did that? Yeah. Should I say that more clearly? Okay. No, you said it very clearly. I'm just, just I'm just putting things on the shelf. So I. Great, great. I just want to make sure it's clear. And then her sister, Candace, also ended up joining sides with her. So basically Kathleen's biological daughter and then her sister, Candace, were like, actually, we've looked at this and we think. Yeah, it's shady. He's guilty. Yes, it's shady. Yeah. So the other children were certain of Michael's innocence. They were like, he would never have done this. And many of their friends stood by him as well, saying, like, I believe him. He's a stand-up guy. He would never do this. So four months later, we're talking February 2002, after Kathleen's death, a French filmmaker started following the case and shooting a documentary. And this documentary would later be called The Staircase, which is the one that's been, like, all viral on Netflix and stuff. Okay. As the investigation proceeded, there was a lot of uh, back and forth because prosecution believed that the deep lacerations on Kathleen's scalp combined with the skull fractures meant that she had been attacked by a blunt but light object. Do they think that that she got attacked and then was placed on the stairs or do they think she got attacked and then also thrown down the stairs? Because I feel like if her... Um, I feel like a lot of her lacerations could have been like just hitting the rail on the way down, you know? Right, right. Okay. And another thing that I haven't brought up yet, but which I learned when I went to look at the 
see having directional difficulties isn't always bad because I went and looked it up and I saw that on the uh, staircase there was one of those stair lift thingies. Oh, so she could have hit her head they, on that on the way and down. And so the theory is that she injured herself on that stair okay. lift thingy. I don't know what the what are those called? The chair mat chair S- stair master stair, stair master stair chair. No, that's that's a that's a stair that's gym. It's a gym. Okay, well uh, it's a chair lift chair. No, yeah, that's a skiing. That's skiing. It we does, know what you're talking about. Okay, you know one of those where they sit and go up. Um, so there was one of those, and so the theory was that she fell, hit that, and the wall. And as you can imagine, that would probably have created some of those lacerations. So what they believed or what prosecution presented is that she was attacked intentionally by Michael with a blunt but light object. And they referenced a blow poke, like for a fire. Oh, okay. And they said, okay, well, the fireplace blow poke is not by the fireplace. It's missing. Mm, Okay. And they said, so he he must have taken that and then disposed of it. And that feels like thin enough. Like it feels like I feel like a laceration could come from that, you know, mm, instead yes, of like exactly. full that was what they thought. Trauma. Like it's light enough where it's not like you know, uh like I feel like if it were thicker or bigger, it would be like it would have really done incredible blunt force. Right, like damage. less than less than just the the laceration the deep lacerations yeah i yeah. agree um and so that's kind of what they thought they were like well this thing is light enough and it's sharp enough it could have done this um but they said it's missing which they you know argued proves that he probably or may have taken it and disposed of it then the freaking defense comes forward and is like this blow poke oh and okay they found it in the basement of the house allegedly that'll do it and they were like here it is but it was missing the handle so the defense basically brought it and said so sorry just to clarify that was the defense that brought it like his defense team oh shit they found it was it like was it like them trying to like beat them to the punch or something it was them saying well this is their blow poke that was missing and it's doesn't look like a murder weapon to us. They were basically saying, here, we found it. It's all dusty in the basement. But that's that's almost like saying too much. That's like that's what I said. That's, I was I like, don't, don't touch. Like, why would you even bring that up? You okay, know? so um, this is a very out of left field situation. But the Josh Duggar case uh, <laughs> okay. with, the, with his. So he, you know, is currently in jail for possession mm-hmm. of child mm-hmm. pornography and for for watching it the way that they like so when the cops came to his business because he was looking at it on his work computer right um the cops pulled him aside and the first thing he did when they cornered him is he was like what is someone looking at kid uh, child (gasps) porn on the computer and it's like you just they didn't even say anything like (laughs) like it's you just so stupid so i think that's the kind of why they say don't say anything that would you know we can use anything you say to incriminate you because but, so that makes me think of that where it's like why would you bring the poke the poking stick the thing that they said was the weapon and you're like look i found it and it's like clearly it was dusty in the basement so it wasn't the murder weapon but like who knows i mean it was very shady the way at least it was presented on dateline <laughs> the episode i watched it was very it seemed 
shady. Like, people were like, what? And then, of course, the prosecution is like, well, that's weird because that blowpoke is missing a handle. Where's mm. that part of it, you know? So now it's like they've just created a bigger problem for themselves, in my yeah. opinion. In you, my like, humble... stepped into the trap. Like, someone, they didn't even set a trap for you yet. You set your own trap and walked into it. You walked into it with a blowpoke and were like, look how dusty it is. And people were like, that doesn't convince me. Um, so, you know, whether they were it was real or not uh it kind of had a not intended effect i guess uh -huh. um so you know they didn't find blood on it so they were like well this can't be the weapon but like that doesn't now like you said like now it's in people's heads like now the jury's like oh well you're holding the blow poke and now the prosecution can be like look it matches you know it just seemed not great so anyway as we know, Michael had had plenty of time to clean some things up between Kathleen's death and calling 911 since she had been dead for over an hour. Um, but when he apparently had said she was still alive and that became a problem because they were like, well, why would you lie to the operator? He changed his story a bit. Mm. So he said that Kathleen had actually, they were outside drinking together. She had gone inside for more wine and he stayed out smoking a cigar he said after a couple hours passed, he went inside and found Kathleen at the bottom of the stairs. And that's so he, when he called. Oh, so that's why the blood was dry and yes. it, there was some time that had passed and all this. That, okay. that was his uh, new kind of updated story. I was going to say early on, it would have made sense if the story was like he came home and found her. Right. But, okay, well. That is kind but, of what it became. Okay. That was his new version of events okay so of course some people are like well why did he not go looking for her if she went back to get more wine which like i can also argue like oh if someone's like oh, i might go grab another glass of wine and then doesn't come back i'd be like well maybe they went to bed or got on a phone call i don't know i don't think it's i mean if weird. it were you i would think you just got distracted by something <laughs> i got lost in the hallway with no doors or windows help i feel like all it would take is like one box of trinkets for you to start digging through <laughs> and i would lose you for the rest of the I'm night like one you know? of those old-timey vampires where they're like put grains of rice on the porch <laughs> so that they get to they start counting them and they can't come in and i would just get stuck at like five i'd be like wait let me start over <laughs> Yeah, so you're right. I like th maybe that's in my mind why I was like, I don't think it's that weird. He didn't go looking for her, but uh, maybe <laughs> that's about the funniest thing you've ever said, Christine. <laughs> maybe that, that just reflects on me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so people, of course, were like, "Well, why did you not find her for another hour? Why did you stay outside um, if she said she was coming back?" And despite the fact that he said she went to go pour herself uh, more wine, um, her fingerprints weren't on the wine glass. Like, she hadn't touched it. Oh, So, okay. also shady. And then prosecution brought another bombshell, albeit not, a, not necessarily a relevant bombshell, but they found, perhaps relevant, it's up to you to decide, uh, they discovered male pornography on Michael's computer along mm. with explicit emails that he was exchanging with another man. So it okay. turns out he was bisexual. Mm -hmm. And the prosecution brought this up as like, well, clearly he is not happy in this marriage because he is seeking, you know, affection elsewhere. But the defense argued Kathleen knew about this and approved of it or was fine with it. Mm. So... Uh, friends and family confirmed that yes their mother knew about this or that his wife knew about this so unclear but this is 
what was brought to the table. Okay. Hmm. So it was, you know, obviously a difficult thing to prove beyond reasonable doubt that Michael, you know, just beat his wife to death in cold blood with no motive. So uh, they had to find one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I could see, I mean, people have definitely killed their partners for yes, you're totally extra- right extramarital affair before yeah or less than that you know like i feel like in 2002 they really were just so tasteless with the way they handled this uh and we're probably jumping right over that but uh oh well yeah i mean they brought up his bisexuality as like uh you know Mm -hmm. obviously he did it you know which is like well great i'm sure a lot of people have porn on their computer it doesn't just because it's of the opposite sex doesn't suddenly mean you're cheating on your whatever no, good point. Good point. I don't know. I don't know. And were and the messages were romantic in nature. Yes, it was sexual emails. Okay, so he, okay. he was he was sexually com- communicating with Cause I, somebody. Because oh, I because I was gonna say it could be a guy who was just watching gay porn. You know? No, but no, like... that's no. Yeah. So I did kind of make it sound like that, but no, he was having um, some sort of affair. Uh, whether it was conversation. Yeah, it was like fully sexual, fully explicit, but. What we don't know is whether his wife knew or cared or so that's kind of where we stand with that. It's like, okay, is it relevant? Maybe, but we don't have any proof, you know. So this is where (laughs) Michael's late friend and the mother of his adopted daughters comes back into the picture. Do you remember Elizabeth Ratliff back in Germany? Yes. The friend who who uh, died, who was a widow and then died. And then mm-hmm. he took care. They took in um, the daughters, the daughters. So when Elizabeth's family in Germany heard the news about Kathleen, oh they contacted investigators in the U.S. And um, apparently it turns out Elizabeth. Remember when I said she died of a medical issue? That was what right. it was on the paperwork. That is what was technical, technically what she had died of. Um, but it turns out, if you look a little closer, she had died of head trauma and blood loss after falling oh. down a flight of stairs in her home. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> How was that not mentioned or caught on earlier? That, I, I guess it, was, it wasn't in the States, right? So they maybe he thought the records wouldn't be seen? So that's the thing. People were like... So he had not told his defense about this. So they were not prepared. (laughs) Yeah. So this comes up and his defense team has to like fucking find out by surprise. And so, of course, this looks terrible. It's like, why did you not tell anybody? Like, this seems like if you really didn't do it, like this seems very relevant to your case. You know what I mean? I guess I guess if he no. Well, I don't know. I feel like if, if I didn't do it. I see what no, you're saying. I, I would, but I see what you're saying. There's like a part of you that's like, well, oh, shit, that looks really bad. Like, I know it looks really bad. Like, if if I if I didn't do it and my friend who I haven't seen in years in another country, I did adopt her kids, but she died very similarly to my, I guess I would still maybe mention it. Well, what? when you say far away in another country. Oh, but you mean like that the situation. Okay, never mind. Because it wasn't the situation in Germany? Yes, but he was there. Like, he was in the, he was living in Germany at the time. 
Right, but now he's not. And so right. I would I see what I you're saying. I would have been like, well, that happened forever ago. It's not even here. And you know, exactly. Well, I might, e- I might not even put them together, but maybe I would. I don't know if you like the two moms, you know, especially if it's like the two moms of your children. Mm, that's <laughs> like a good point. Died the same way. I'd be like, um, that's yeah, alarming. I've- that's a that's a great point. I would look at my adopted kids and be like, oh yeah, like that's Remember how their mom. This literally mm-hmm. happened to your mother. Yeah, it's it's ooh, it's a uh, it's a toughie. And here's the thing, so that had, uh, that had occurred in 1985, um, so I guess 16 years earlier. And fun fact, Michael was the last one to have seen her alive. Uh, <laughs> he had visited the night before her body was found, helping her put her daughters to bed. And then had gone home. And the next morning, Elizabeth's nanny arrived for the day and found her dead at the base of the stairs. A little bit of a sidebar, but I feel like if he did do this, which I'm leaning towards one way currently, um, like, it's almost like he, like, wanted to adopt the kids. Like, it was because he wanted, he liked the kids. So, like, I'm kind of worried about his motive with these kids because he knew that if she died, he someone would have to take them in. Yes. Okay. Interesting point. And I might not fully answer it, but we'll definitely touch on that in a moment. Um, Okay. So I'm glad you brought that up. So when they found Elizabeth's body, uh, there was a shocking amount of blood at the scene again. And it was all over the walls, all over the stairs, just everywhere. Now, which you also touched on this because Elizabeth was in Germany, but living on a U.S. military base. Both U.S. and German officials arrived on scene. Oh, okay. So this was also noted in the U.S. Okay, crime documents. <laughs> you know, you've heard of them. You know, in the, the ones. one big confidential folder <laughs> that big, holds it all, <laughs> big file folder in the sky. Um, <laughs> so they were both both nations, you know, whatever military police or whatever it is, responded um, to the scene, uh, but. At the time, they didn't think anything was suspicious, and here's why. Elizabeth had a medical condition that could cause excess bleeding, uh, and she had been complaining of such a severe headache that before she died, she actually had an upcoming doctor's appointment where she was going to ask them to do some scans and see what was happening because her head Mm. was in so much pain. So they thought, well, you know, something must have happened uh, on the stairs. She fell down the stairs on her way maybe she had like an aneurysm or something something like that exactly fell and then as she got cut she had this bleeding disorder and so the blood must so at the time they were like well you know this is a freak accident it's horrific obviously um but they were like it's it's an accident related to medical complications so they left without even taking photos of the scene yeah i mean it was 1985 which i know it, it doesn't seem that long ago but I don't know. I can see why they'd be like, well, nothing to see here. Moving on. So in the days following, which is exactly what you just brought up, Michael Peterson swooped in, took charge of everything, Mm -hmm. made arrangements for Elizabeth's funeral, her home, her daughters, Mm. took over the whole estate. Mm -hmm. So whether it was, like you said, about the kids, whether it was financial gain because he took over their whole state like whatever the motive was it's something i think might be there like i don't know i don't know it feels i mean maybe he just 
very badly wants to feel like a hero, but like to kill someone to be seen as a hero. I don't know. That's... It's a bizarre. Yeah, it's a bizarre scenario. And it feels like, well, why would he do that twice? I don't know. Anyway, we'll we'll get to this. Okay. So obviously in 1985, this incident with Elizabeth looked like a senseless tragedy. Now it looks like a very suspicious pattern. And what's worse for Michael, like I said, he hadn't even told his fucking lawyers. So now they are like taken aback and shocked and are like, well, fuck, <laughs> this makes our jobs a lot harder. So people are essentially now wondering why this man wouldn't immediately inform his attorney if he was innocent uh that the mother of his daughters had died under like identical circumstances 16 years ago and he was the last person to see her alive it seems very shady that he didn't say anything to his lawyers very shady yeah so prosecutors said we have an idea we're gonna exhume elizabeth ratliff's body from 16 years ago thank god i was getting nervous because i was like couldn't you just go look and see if there's foul play so the daughters say okay because yeah they think it's going to exonerate Michael. Oh. Yeah. Huh. They're basically okay. like, no, no. We know he didn't do this. They really believe it. And are like, just, you know, we agreed to exhume our mother's body because we believe it'll exonerate him. I think they're going to be wrong. So <laughs> the North Carolina medical examiner does a second autopsy on Elizabeth and determined that she was, in fact, beaten to death. Mm-hmm. prosecutors in germany opened up a new case working side by side with u.s authorities to seek a possible murder charge years after this death had been ruled an accident 16 years later they're like never mind and there's Ugh. no statute of limitations on murder right no at least not in the u.s no okay okay so michael's trial uh began july 1st 2003 and an expert witness named peter Dwayne deaver this guy comes back into play of the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation basically sealed Michael's fate when he presented his blood spattered demonstrations. So according to his 18 years of expertise, the only way to produce a blood spatter scene where Kathleen died was if Michael were standing over her, beating her repeatedly. A News Observer article reported that Peter, Dwayne Deaver, was the principal training officer for 22 years and authored the training program and policy procedure manual for blood spatter analysis. So this guy, like, not only was the analyst, he actually trained the other analysts on the proper procedure of blood spatter. So, in other words, his word carried substantial weight in the courtroom. Sure. And basically ended up sealing michael's fate because defense tried to argue that elizabeth ratliff's death wasn't relevant but of course the judge you know disagreed said well this is too weird to be a coincidence so we're gonna leave it in isn't there um aren't blood spatter experts like is that i'm I'm legit or there's definitely debate about it Okay. Yeah, there's debate about it in uh, recent years. It's def- it's a newer um, concern that people have that it can be kind of a bunk science or like a, um, I know what word you're trying to think of. Controversial? Yeah, like junk science, bunk science. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, I feel like it's being debated a lot. I don't actually know the 
real numbers, but I think the like the, the the number where it can be wrong, like the percentage of times where it's incorrect, is like higher than people thought. Um, yeah. And it, it's not like a proven science, I think. So I still think it's so fascinating. It is fascinating. I absolutely agree. <laughs> I um, just don't if, know the official stance. If you ever need to do a topic request, I think you should I lo- teach people okay. about blood spatter. I teach myself. Let's yeah. do it. So. Yeah. Uh, It also came to light that Kathleen had been apparently worried about losing her job uh, because there were a bunch of layoffs coming up. So in the days before her murder, there was she was like extremely stressed about her work and financial security. And this could have created tension in the household. There was also a one point four million dollar life insurance policy on her that would go to Michael in the event of her death. So, you know, now they're building out this possible motive. And after four days of deliberation, the jury found Michael Peterson guilty of first degree murder on October 10, 2003. And he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Wow. So Michael's children were shocked. Uh, They truly believed and actually still do that their father was innocent. Uh, Michael himself apparently didn't even believe until the jury read the verdict out loud that he would be found guilty. But the story is not over. Okay. We have another plot twist coming. What? Oh, I'm going to tell you. What? What are you? What are you? You were going to say something. I'm no, I'm mad. You're going to say, oh, I'll tell you next week. No, no, no. I'm telling you. Okay. I was like, don't you (laughs) fucking. Okay. No, it's not much left. Um, This is kind of the crux of this whole story, actually. Um. So, uh, you know, he's sentenced to life in prison. His friends and family are shocked. He's shocked. Um, And then on October 7th, 2004, which was almost exactly a year after his sentencing, the documentary The Staircase was released. Okay. Now, this documentary focused heavily on the defense, uh, excluded some evidence, and spent a lot of time interviewing Michael and his family, who obviously believe he is innocent. So, you know, it's been noted that it's a bit biased. it tugs on the heartstrings. And so the public essentially began to be won over to Michael's side. So people, this is presented in a way where people are like, well, he doesn't see, you know, maybe he didn't do it. Right. And so it kind of creates this stir. Oh God. Oh God. But in January of 2008, another court decided, nope, we still believe Michael is guilty. So they awarded Kathleen's daughter, Caitlin, $25 million in a wrongful death lawsuit that she had filed against Michael several years earlier. Hmm. Then we fast forward three more years and a bombshell to the entire justice system was dropped when it turns out, remember, blood expert Dwayne Deaver, Mm -hmm. who basically sealed Michael's fate with his genius analysis? Well, it turns out he had been falsifying blood spatter reports for years shit this is why i was being so uh-huh. shady because i was like i don't want to give away the spoiler but i we were right on the money the here <laughs> and it wasn't even that like he was just guessing like i mean you know the controversy about blood spatter mostly is like oh well we can't like it it's it, it's not infallible like it's right. up for interpretation but this guy was just full out was, faking shit and was this for like multiple cases multiple like, this was just... cases had to be re-examined. I don't know oh, the number, so God. I don't want to say like thousands or dozens or hundreds. Like, I don't know. 
but a lot. And this was like a huge shakeup, a huge issue. Um, he was fired, obviously. Um, was he, he put in jail himself? He was put on trial amongst his like peers. I don't know. I know that he lost his job. I don't know if he went to jail or not. Um, I don't know if it was like a criminal action taken against him. But he apparently would like hear what pe- that they wanted and then like create reports on it like he was, I was just gonna say do you think he's like was getting paid off by people I to think like he was getting win some, cases? something either paid off or like some sort of sway like some... there's no reason to do it just for like shits and gigs yeah it's it was almost like if the police needed something to look a certain way he would just like do it you know and so they found out he had been doing this for years and several people were even released from prison because their sentences were overturned and it was heartbreaking in one of the stories on dateline this guy was innocent and he was in jail for i think 16 17 years or oh something my God. for a murder he did not commit uh wow and it was all based on this blood spatter evidence so it was shocking i mean so this guy got released um thankfully you know but just unheard of damage and so of course michael being savvy hears of this and is like well shit and i mean you know understandably he was like well this guy yeah, is on my let's case. overturn it yeah Fuck let's yeah let's let's look at this so you know the court had no choice but to be like yes you know you make a good point everyone deserves a fair trial you know whether mm-hmm. we think you did it or not that is the real justice so they decided to give him a retrial mm. turns out uh as they were kind of delving into this Police had also mismanaged some of the crime scene and had contaminated uh, contaminated the crime scene. Photos of the blood spatter that Peter Deaver presented were even questioned because it seemed like in D- Peter Dwayne Deaver's photos, there were blood spots where the original photos, there weren't any. Like he was really like creating he like was like fake photoshopping. Yes. And oh like making God. shit up. It's horrifying. Anyway, whether Michael was guilty or not, Obviously, everybody deserves a fair trial. So after eight years in prison, Michael made his $300,000 bail and was released on house arrest to await his new trial. And during this time, a former neighbor of his who also happened to be an attorney named Larry Pollard was like, you know what? I want to take a closer look at this thing. So he begins looking through evidence more thoroughly in an attempt to basically prove Michael's innocence. So one day he has this massive aha moment. He and his team are looking at the autopsy report about Kathleen's body, um, particularly the part where she was holding onto some of her hair in her hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have a microscope either brought in or they sent the pictures to, to a microscope. I don't know how this works. They, they sent it to a microscope. <laughs> okay. To a microscope. They meant they sent it to a random guy who <laughs> Amazoned a microscope the other night. <laughs> oh my God, Christine. They took a microscopic look at it. Let's put it that way. And they noticed within the hair were three microscopic feathers. What? This is where we introduce the owl theory. What the fuck is the owl theory? The theory goes that a barred owl, also known Don't as a me. northern barred owl, striped owl, or a hoot owl, or eight hooter owl, are attacked. Wait, I was gonna, I was gonna say, are you telling me an owl came into the house and then flew away? Like an Hedwig? owl 
literally this is why this case was like so bonkers <laughs> this is why i was so excited when you hadn't heard of it i was like if any cr- crime case em has heard of it's probably the one where the owl did it uh, <laughs> so i was like honestly surprised you hadn't heard of it no so the owl theory goes that a barred owl attacked kathleen outside her home and she was fighting it off ran inside in distress and as she's trying to rip it out of her hair fell down the stairs falls down the stairs or while she's in a panic about it running up the stairs she falls to her death oh my god obviously sounds outrageous right obviously yes yes that like like where the fuck did this owl come from what window did they slide in what front door did they come through during the day aren't they nocturnal so then it's middle of the night oh okay first of all second of all the theory goes that she was outside was attacked on her way in yes i know i know but i know i know so this is what we're going to get into obviously sounds outrageous right i needed an owl i know there was an owl expert who came in i fucking know fucking don't even worry it's no cindy from your house thing but it's a different is it expert. harry potter himself <laughs> to come talk about his little owl he's like she would never um no but it is the national audubon society uh the foremost bird experts okay so what? in 2016 they published an article on their website about the owl theory and they referenced kate davis the executive director of something called raptors of the rockies who was contacted by the documentary team behind the staircase because she had recently done an interview about a raptor which is just a common name for like a a bird of prey so a falcon a hawk that kind of thing had attacked a boy while he was sledding and like seriously injured him and so they contacted her turns out she became convinced that an owl did attack kathleen the night she what yes are you serious i'm dead serious she was like i would know what that looks like yes this is what the the lacerations seem to match the talons of an owl on the back of her skull okay but this guy says he was having a cigar outside and then he came in and found her down the stairs he didn't hear a ruckus like a bird attacking you yes exactly um you're nailing it doesn't make sense be a lawyer yeah well well, okay i never said that do not put me on the record saying that em well i guess they had would you say an eleven thousand square foot house so i guess they could argue that like right that you know you could be football fields away and not hear it like maybe he was listening to music on the other side of the pool shed i don't know yeah like i guess all i know there's if if i were in a house maybe i just haven't been in a big enough fucking house where i can't hear crisis like that but like i wouldn't in your house, your house is pretty big. I would hear from any area of your home in fact, if a I think bird the fact came flying in. That it's shaped a certain way makes it more likely everyone in the house would hear it because it like, yeah, you'd go down the staircase or something. I mean, so to speak. But yeah, I, I so anyway, yes, you're correct because that is a big question. Um, so the lacerations on her, the back of her head, seem to match the wounds that an owl would inflict with its talons. And it would explain the hair, feathers, and there were also some pine needles found in her hands. And she had ripped her hair out. The only reason I... And she's not someone who would, like, go outside and, like, get caught in a tree or something? Like, in a... Wait, what? 
you know like well so my thought was like if you know like there's no way he like planted pine needles and feathers microscopically into her hair right so like i do believe they were there from the beginning but my thought is like could she have not come from outside and like accidentally walked into a spider web or something yeah yeah that's a great point like maybe it was just something got in her hair earlier but i guess the spider web would have been seen microscopically (sighs) yeah so i don't know um so Yes, the lacerations, and I'll I'll send you a picture. Uh, it's basically like looks like a talon marks in her head, mm. um, and Kate, the the raptor expert, believed it would even explain most of the defensive wounds on Kathleen's elbows, wrists, and hands because it would be consistent with someone holding their arms above their head while an oh. owl attacked their scalp. Interesting. Now, I have some more bird expertise for you here because apparently the barred owl's mating season begins in December. So an overly territorial owl might have seen Kathleen as a threat and swoop mm-hmm. down to attack. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the final point. Owls apparently have specialized feathers that make their flight totally silent. So Kathleen would not have heard it coming mm-hmm. until it was too late. That all said, as M mentioned so astutely, M. Uh, J. Esquire, as I like to call you. Yes, uh, <laughs> It's hard to believe Michael wouldn't have heard a fucking commotion while his wife fought off an owl a few hundred yards away. Like, it's just hard to believe. Like, even if the flight of the owl is silent, you imagine the attack would not be. A blood-curdling scream would not. At the very least, right. Yeah. And then falling down the stairs. You would hear in a house if something went crashing down. so. Yeah. Especially if someone were screaming about it. Mm. But... So while his attorneys were aware of this owl theory and that it might like put the blame somewhere else, they also said, I don't want to risk my client's life or future on this argument that an owl did it. Like basically, right. We, it's also so random about it, but we know that it's going to look shady or fishy or just like outrageous to a jury. Yeah. So essentially what I'm trying to lead to is that he submitted an Alfred plea, which we've talked about a few times. And it's basically when somebody feels like they're not going to get a fair trial Mm -hmm. um, based on the evidence. They're not admitting guilt. They're saying, I'll take the punishment, but I didn't do it. But I know that it looks like I did it. Right. Sort of like. Have you done um, the topic on the, beginning of the alfred plea like who's alfred um so it's alfred a-l-f-o-r-d and i have looked into it i just i don't think i've ever covered the actual original story i don't even to be honest i don't even remember the original case um just i've just heard it used every now and then um but yeah maybe i'll look into it see if it's uh see if it's it's anything good Mm. uh so Basically, they were like, you know, this doesn't look good. So he's going to submit an Alfred plea. Uh, and the thing with it is he had already served enough time. So he was essentially free to go. Okay. And his kids were like, yeah, please do that. Because then at least you get out. And even though you're going to be a convicted felon because you've basically put in this mm-hmm. plea that says you're guilty but not. Uh, despite that, we believe you and we want you to get out of prison so everyone was on board he basically submitted this plea and went home and uh they created this staircase documentary um even though the original intention of it was like kind of make him look better or whatever uh 
his attorneys were like, we don't think that public opinion has swayed that much that we're going to risk putting him on trial. So another fun fact about this movie, which I was chatting to Eva about before, um, by the way, the staircase, it might be confusing to some people because there were recently more episodes that came out to oh. add on to the story. So it, oh. it's a much more current story because of that. Um, so it was originally made back way back when, like 2003 or whatever, and now has updated episodes, which are on Netflix. And people have kind of looked into this, apparently, including Eva's friend Ellen, who I need to chat to because... Apparently, people have questioned the documentary's integrity after it came to light that one of the editors was in a romantic relationship with Michael while he was in prison. Uh, what? What? I know. I feel like every step of the way, someone's getting found out as, like, not doing their part. <laughs> I mean, jeez. Yes, exactly. So just really shady. Filmmakers, of course, insist their professionalism was never impacted. But I'm like, how could it not be? Like, even if you tried not to be. Yeah, unless I found out the editor was like just like color correcting or like something. Sure, that, right. Good point. Good point. Something that didn't I made have him to look a little tanner than his orange jumpsuit allowed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Great point, Em. So on February 24th, 2017, although Michael did initially want to go back to trial and defend himself, he submitted this Alfred plea on the behest of his children and his conviction was reduced to involuntary manslaughter. Uh, he had already served his time. He was free. He's still free today. He sold his home. This is where I got into it, uh, where Kathleen died for $1.9 million. And of course I pulled up the Zillow and it uh, sold also, like I told you earlier in 2020 for, 1.6 and is now estimated at 2.7. Zillow needs to sponsor us because this is the third time <laughs> we we've had to have a whole Zillow conversation a about it. We talk about Zillow a lot. Um, so he actually ended up moving after selling the house. He moved in with his first wife, Patricia, and she ultimately passed away from a heart attack, unfortunately. And as of 2021, this is the final line of my notes here. He was living on his own, according to his attorney, who said he's living in a ground floor apartment with no stairs. That was a really important accommodation. Oh, boy. Mm. Taste too, too soon? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. It's like, uh, wow. Yeah, that's the story of the staircase murder or not murder, wow. I guess, since he's been, well, he's been convicted. And acquitted? Technically. Or yeah, it's sort of like a weird gray space. Um, I, you know, that so was it's all alleged for my own <laughs> yeah, yeah, legal yeah. protection um it was uh it's a great story i was wondering until the owl thing i was like why is this the story that like you said other podcasts like blew up because oh of gosh. or like it was the big thing but like and so i, was, I like, like i don't know what happened because you watch some of these things and you're like oh my god the owl fucking did it like you can see <laughs> the marks you're like that's a talent mark like you have people at audubon going yeah actually this is like in you know an owl can be really really vicious and the other thing too is apparently where where this alleged owl attack occurred um would have caused massive amounts of bleeding out of her no head. it makes sense like i mean it's very random and then but you it... imagine you fall down the stairs and continue to hurt yourself and you're on valium and you're drunk i mean you know but also it's so crazy that like i i feel like i feel like even if the lawyer was like all we have to do is prove that someone else could have done it and that someone could be an owl like that <laughs> He yeah, did a great exactly. fucking job. Exactly. Like, 
exactly. Oh my God. So it's just so bananas. And like, there's still, you know, people still don't agree to this day. I don't even know what I believe. I think the fact that the neighbor had died in the same way back in Germany is very shady. Yeah. Um, but also like, you know, even though it said she was beaten to death, he was never convicted of that either. So I can't say he did that, you know. That did they microscopically find feathers in her Great hair? point. Great point. Maybe they got to look at that closer, you know. I don't know. Maybe him and, uh, and the owl. I, I feel like they're just suits. It's just such a, ben- like such a crazy, like the only mm. reason he even went to a retrial is because... That blood got spatter guy got caught forging documents. So like this owl thing would never even have come up. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's all yeah. just so crazy. Em. Great story. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm probably the last podcast to ever cover it because I think everyone's already done it. So I hope people aren't like bored of it. But it's just so nuts. It's not boring to me. I literally found out today. So someone else very probably fun to doesn't tell you know about it. Um. Also, wow. earlier when you said. Oh my god! You didn't even know what you're saying, and I had to keep my mouth shut. But right. I, I said, "Oh, they brought them under their wings," and you said, "Oh yeah, like a big bird adopted them." <laughs> and I was like, "Uh oh!" I almost like, said, T- "Hold that thought," and then I was like, "No, no, don't say anything." <laughs> if you did, I would have absolutely been as lost as you in a hallway with no doors. By the way, I would have been like, "What?" I thought about what? a big giant bird. What? <laughs> I would have not seen it coming at at all. Oh lordy. Oh, um man anyway well just, i'm sorry it's such a long effing episode that's fine it's really n- not too much longer than our usual ones i guess, I guess. So. I guess we had some technical issues we also talked for half an hour about how your baby maimed me that's with my true f- i literally as i'm sitting here i'm feeling them i think today's the bad day because yesterday it was just my head but like they're all over my yeah. hands and my arms right now oh no so I'm so sorry. I'm literally, I'm literally going on Allison's family vacation in like 24 hours. So sorry. Should I? I, Well, I'll have to ask if any of them haven't had this. Yeah. Well, we'll have to find out the hard way. I didn't mean to. It's okay. It's not you. I just, I literally have one in my armpit, and I'm about to go like pop something in my armpit. It's like I'm losing my mind. It, this is my chicken pox, you know, since the vaccine kicked in. Since you all went those to all those ago. parties and never caught it. I never went to the party. <laughs> I, know, I got I'm vaccinated. Just but uh, no, I, I, uh, it'll be an interesting week. So uh, I hope your baby's doing okay. Though, uh, we sucks. love you. <laughs> no i i hope your baby's doing okay is she oh, better she's now much better yeah she got better uh pretty quickly and is now back on her back on her bullshit cool well i can't wait to see and experience more of her bullshit cause... yay me too uh after chat yeah let's do it okay and that's why we drink This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.